0: The white man's world is a newer world than the black man's world. Yet this man that they said that they were about to make, and he said we are making, how? In our image, showing you that there's somebody there with him. In our likeness, showing you that still somebody is there with him. Moon was blasted away, and and we came along with the earth. In fact, one tribe was, was destroyed. Prior to the time that the explosion took place, there were 13 tribes. In the explosion set off 66 trillion years ago, the 13th tribe was destroyed. And then all of the time down through the real time since then, there were 12 tribes. Until 6,000 years ago. And 6,000 years ago, a, 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 a scientist named Yakub created another tribe on this earth. Understand, uh, prior to the time the explosion took place, there were 13 tribes. But the 13th tribe was destroyed in that explosion. And from then until now, just 6,000 just, uh, uh, 6, years ago, another tribe came on the scene. It was made, different from all of the 12 tribes that were here when it arrived. A new tribe, a weak tribe, a wicked tribe, a, a devilish tribe, a diabolical tribe, a tribe that is devilish by nature. So, but before they got on the scene, the honor of Elijah Muhammad, when we came with the earth, the oldest city on earth is the holy city of Mecca in Arabia. Mecca is the oldest city on earth. Mecca is the city that is forbidden. No one can go there but the black man. No one can go there but the Muslim. No one can go there but the believer. No one can go there but the righteous. And at Mecca... Are uh, kept the records of history that go on back into the beginning of time. He says that 50,000 years ago, another scientist named Shabazz became angry with the other, uh, would with be the, with the scientists of his day. He wanted to bring about a tougher people. He wanted the people to undergo uh, a form of life that would make them tough and hard, and the other scientists wouldn't agree with him. So this scientist named Shabazz took his family and one that got into the jungles of Africa. Prior to that time, no one lived in the jungle. Our people were soft. They were black, but they were soft and delicate. Fine. They had straight hair, Right here on this earth. You find some of them look like that right today. They are black as night, but their hair is like silk. And originally all our people had that kind of hair. But this scientist, took our, took his family down into the jungles of Africa. And there, living in the open, in the open, and, and living a jungle life, eating all kinds of food, it had an effect on the appearance of our people. Actually, living in the rough sun, in the rough climate, our hair became stiff, like it is now. Our, we became, we undertook new features that we have now. The honorable of the says that the only hair that the black man has today that looks now like it looked five or 50,000 years ago is on my eyebrow. Right here. You know, if all Negroes got straight, Don't you? how nasty their head is. They got straight eyebrows. Come on, when you see a nasty eyebrow Negro, <laughs> you got somebody.
1: <laughs> Welcome, friends and family. Thank you for coming. I'm your host, Dawid Yako Maccabeus. You're listening to Signs and Wonders, the broadcast that came right on. Time. I am coming to you live from Sweden. Today's date is december tenth, twenty eleven. Today, one year ago, I did a broadcast called They Live Because We Sleep. I taught that Israel was a name given by a being that was not the most high, Aya. This is not the most high, but yet we still run to that name. We still blindly follow fools that are blinder than ourselves. One year ago today, I began a series of broadcasts that clearly teach that Esau is not the white man. I taught who we truly are and who our enemy is, but yet we still blindly follow fools that are blinder than ourselves. Well, today, I would like to give you a little advice. Just a little advice. Stop blindly following fools. Learn to think for yourself. Do your own research. Put down that Hebrew Christianity and wake the hell up time is short because when it's all said and done it will be just you and the most high it will not be that false teacher or that false preacher just you true freedom is a man that can think for himself with complete trust in our father ayah okay Now, I say that statement for somebody out there that needs to hear this. Somebody out there needs to hear this. Father, I ask that you free your people today. Open the eyes of those that have been misled by the blind. Help those that sincerely seek your word and desire to understand you, Father. Wake up those lost souls and make them shepherds. Prepare the people of the covenant to be the priests of the Most High. That peculiar treasure, Father, that you made us to be special to yourself. Those signs and wonders that you made us to be, O Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your gift. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your protection. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love. Thank you for your promise to Messiah Yahushua. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the beginning of this broadcast, I played an audio file of Malcolm X. This was recorded in 1962. It was called Black Man's History. Black Man's History. In listening to this broadcast, you heard a mixture of intelligence, in foolishness. In one breath, we hear Malcolm X speaking about the existence, uh, the distance of the, the sun and the moon and the stars and, and the planets. And another breath, we hear him talking about straight-haired Negroes with bushy eyebrows. All this while giving praise to honor Elijah Poole, A.K.A. Elijah Muhammad. You know, I can never get that name right. I, I keep saying Elijahs Muhammad, <laughs> probably because it's a fake name. So I keep going Elijahs Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad. Okay. Now, the reason why I am so disrespectful to this man is because this man has misled so many. He has misled so many because why? We are listening to false teachers, false preachers, and false prophets. The state of the world is in its state today because of these people. So I show no respect. And you should not either. Now, why would Malcolm X... One of the most brilliant men on this planet speak about Star Trek episodes as if they were reality. And where did Elijah Pole get this information from? Why do we blindly follow fools that are blinder than ourselves? See, brothers and sisters, mind control is a powerful tool. And if you are blessed to wake up from this tool, then you will be mad as hell. Now, I believe this happened to Malcolm X. What was in Malcolm's mind when he was flying back on that airplane from Mecca? How did he feel knowing that he was lied to? Thinking about all those times he repeated the foolish tales of the serpent. Okay. Now think about this. Malcolm goes to Mecca. He's being told that white man cannot step foot in Mecca. White man is the devil. Then he's driving, going there, and he sees all these white people, and he has a whole new view. It's nothing like... Elijah Paul told him. I mean everybody knows the story. Everybody's seen um uh Denzel uh Denzel Washington play Malcolm X by now. You should, it's part of our history. So everybody that's black should at least seen that. And we know a lot of white folks saw it too. And we all know the story about Malcolm X. Malcolm X broke from the nation of Islam. Why? Because he realized that he was in a false religion. Now, when he's flying back on this plane, how many how many hours is that? Like nine hours to think? He's sitting there thinking, I cannot believe I stood up there and said all of this BS. Boldly. What else is the man supposed to do? He's going to speak boldly about his deception. And what happened? Assassination. But, the silver lining. Malcolm X was a warning to millions of us, many of us might have felt, you know, we, I'm sorry, many of us might have fell for that uh, Jesuit, uh, the Jesuit trap. Okay, now I say Jesuit trap. Everything that that Malcolm X was taught was a Jesuit tale. You know what I'm saying? Now the th- the sad thing is, is that even though Malcolm X warned us we've seen him getting assassinated millions still willingly are deceived now here's the sad part about it we live in the information age how long will it take in this information age to research an individual by the name of Wallace Dodd-Ford W-A-L-L-A-C-E Wallace Dodd D-O-D-D Ford F-O-R-D Now, have we lost the ability to think? Now think about it. Would God write a book on how to sacrifice a human being? I believe God would Lowercase God, but not Aya. Ayah is not going to write a book on how to sacrifice a human being. But yet, Wallace Dodd Ford, God, wrote a book on how to sacrifice a human being. And you really take these words from a charmer. When I say, and you really take these words from a charmer, I mean, the charmer is telling us that God is Wallace Dodd-Ford. The charmer is telling us that we still should believe in this lie. Now, have you read this man? Have you read him? What I mean, have you read him? Have you actually looked into Wallace Dodd-Ford? Wallace Dodd-Ford admits that his mother was a white woman from the Caucasus Mountains. Now, do you know who comes from the Caucasus Mountains? Have you ever heard of the 13th tribe? We're going to get into the Caucasus Mountains later on this broadcast, but I, I just need to say this now. Now, the question is... Was Wallace Dodd-Ford playing us like fools? He was getting millions of slaves, black slaves, to call him God. Even now in this information age, 2011, has anyone took the time to really look this up? Has anyone took the time to look at the connections between Farad, and uh, what's his name? Um, The murder of of Timothy Drew Ali. Another one. Drew Ali. But has anyone looked in the connection between these two individuals? Have, have, Have they seen how this man, Drew Ali, was found dead right after Wallace died Ford was placed in charge within one month drew ali was dead. now is mind control really that deep that we just can't use common sense or put two and two together now here's another question was uh drew ali plan a and uh and the the uh, nation of islam plan b because we have to understand y'all this is a jesuit tale this is a jesuit tale and um <clears throat> here's another question. All those uh we where are all these um the secret rights of the lost found nation of Islam coming from? Where where are these rights coming from? Uh who was giving the white god of the Caucasus Mountains these secrets? The secrets that this, this uh evil black scientist named Yaqu made made the devil called the white man how ridiculous is that the secret is that the prophet Muhammad was actually a white-skinned arab or that jacob the evil scientist while on the island of Patmos, instituted birth control so that the ruling elite can dominate how they were to abort all the black babies but let the light-skinned babies live so they can rule the society it's ridiculous okay now the question where do we hear all this uh this before about the uh dark-skinned babies dying and the light-skinned babies living where do we hear all this before not only did we hear where was all this implemented have you ever heard of the indian colonization By the British or the Liberian colonization by the Americans or the Sierra Leone colonization by the British and the American colonization by the British. All of these areas are being colonized, are being colonized through this this, uh, divide and conquer, separating the people from one another. The light skin against the dark skin. In the nation of Islam, are calling this white man God, who is telling them a tale of colonization and separation but they don't have the the ability to put it together but you can tell me how far the moon is from the stars come on now they are laughing at us all they do is they they press play on youtube sit back grab some popcorn and have a hell of a time laughing they say look at our jesuit tail didn't we do a good job they high five each other as we act like buffoons for the world to see, not knowing who we are. Now, has anyone looked at the connections between Levi Downing in the Aquarian Gospel, Helen Blavansky in the Ascended Masters, Alistair Crowley in L. Ron Hubbard, Sir Francis Bacon in the Founding Fathers, Jim Jones and the damn CIA, What do I mean by that? The Jim Jones murders in Jonestown has a clear connection with the CIA. Now, how is this connected? Well, you mean to tell me in this information age, we are still so deceived that we can't see these connections? Why do we listen to the charmer? This charmer has got us under a spell. I mean, can we see that the charmer is now selling us in the hands, not us, but you, selling you into the hands of Scientology. Alistair Crawley, L. Ron Hubbard. Scientology. This charmer is selling you into the hands of Scientology. Now, when I mentioned the uh, Jim Jones murders in CIA... Now, do you remember back in 1975, the son of the deceiver did the same thing? In 1975, Jim Jones and the son of Elijah Muhammad were like bosom buddies. He was going to hand over the nation of Islam to Jim Jones. How many more brothers would have been up there drinking the Kool-Aid, dying, dying? Have we lost our minds? Think about it. Well, when it's all said and done, it will be you, black man, you, black woman. Between you, it will just be you and the most high. And at the end of the day, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Nobody to blame but yourself. Now, I'm going to play this audio file. It's a a compilation of uh, Farrakhan. He's going to speak about uh, Marcus Garvey. Then he's going to get into his, uh, <laughs> Sci- his um, uh, Freemasonry. And then he's going to speak about Scientology. Now, the only good thing about this is the fact that he mentioned that Marcus Garvey is coming. But I just want y'all to hear this, because if, if Farrakhan is speaking about Freemasonry, Freemasonry is the thing that got us into this predicament, into slavery. You cannot trust the Freemasons. Do you know what Freemasonry comes from? It's Sir Francis Bacon, Rosicrucianism. This is all connected. Farrakhan's talking about this and then he goes into speaking about Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard is connected to Alistair Crawley. Alistair Crawley is connected to, connected to Freemasonry. Freemasonry is connected to Sir Francis Bacon the Rosicrucians. Okay? All of this here, brothers and sisters, is part of the Jesuit tale. Wake up. Wake up. Okay, now I'm going to play this and I'll be right back continue
2: and came back pregnant with a new idea he saw it immediately marcus garvey went away to england and met with Deuce mohammed notice the name mohammed and got fired up and came back to jamaica and began his quest for the black man all of a sudden he had a new idea
3: and because he
2: was pregnant with a new idea, we don't want him to make the rest of us pregnant, so we isolated. him. But they were not watching. He came up out of Jamaica and flipped into America looking for Booker T. Washington. And when he got the appointment, Booker T. I think he died. So the Honorable Marcus Garvey began to preach, and when white folks looked around, he had nearly five million people under his banner, and they were frightened because that's not their nigger. That's not the nigger that I made. Listen to me. When you're in the South, and an uppity nigger drive in with a fine car in a southern rural town, white folks will come out and say, what you doing here? Now, you don't have to keep the secret anymore, Masons and Shriners, because the secret is out. That is why the Savior had to come without observation. The Bible says He kept these things from the wise and the prudent man, and He revealed it unto babes. Well, When Elijah Muhammad taught us the secret then the Masons and the Shriners were set free from that sword, from that sword. But you are under another sword which I want to talk to you about. So what is the function? of the Masons and Shriners today, now that the secret that you are hiding is out. Here's your function. Your function is to help me build that which was in the nature of Hiram. He's free now, and your job is to help me build the kingdom of God on earth and only then listen I want to say something about Mr. L. Ron Huff put his picture up on the screen I love you too otherwise I wouldn't talk like this Now, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard, I must say to America, to the world of Caucasian people, that Elron Hubbard is so exceedingly valuable to every Caucasian person on this earth. All white people should flock to Elron Hubbard. You can still be a Christian. You just won't be a devil Christian. You still be a Jew, but you won't be a Satan Jew. Now listen to me, good. Elron Hubbard's effort was and is to civilize white people. And make them better human beings and take away from them their reactive mind. Listen to me, good.
1: Okay. So who is Marcus Garvey? And it reads, Marcus Moses Garvey, Jr., 1887-1940 was a Jamaican publisher, journalist, entrepreneur and orator who was a staunch proponent of the black nationalist uh black nationalism and pan-african movement to which end he founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association and the African uh Communities League it's called the UNIAACL now isn't it funny how <clears throat> when after uh Marcus Garvey creates this and gets us unified that some people swoop in and now they create the NAACP after this. You know what I'm saying? What happened? Somebody basically wanted to steal our thunder and control any movement of this in the future. I wonder who would do that. Well, who was president of the NAACP? For years. Who was control of the NAACP? For years wake up people and it reads he found that the black star line uh, part of the back to Africa movement which promoted the return to African diaspora to the ancestral lands okay Marcus Garvey wanted us to go back to Africa alright wanted to go back to Africa we started the back to Africa movement and even the black nationalist movement <coughs> When you look at this Black Nationalist movement, it was already taken over in uh, the the early uh, 19th century because the Freemasons used it for the uh, colonization uh, purposes. Colonization Society took it over. You can read this fact, this fact, in Rise of the Black Messiah Part One. Know thy enemy. I go into this. You see, everything is connected. When Marcus Garvey came on the scene, he was doing an an old thing. He's like, we got to get back to Africa. But they already had Africa. They already had it. Now, Marcus Garvey, by far, was the most successful and most feared black man of the New World Order. Why is that? Well, because Marcus Garvey gave the black man and black woman hope unity, self-pride, purpose, respect, empowerment, self-determination, black love, and a unified purpose to build a better world for a future generation. You see, Marcus Garvey, the epitome of the black Messiah, the blueprint, the blueprint of a truly free black man, black woman. You see, Marcus Garvey was such a threat, That he had to be destroyed. Why did he have to be destroyed? Because Marcus Garvey. Taught self respect and purpose. While breaking the mind control. Of white supremacy. He was teaching that. The home for the black man. Black woman. Was not the racist bondage. Of America. The Caribbean. South America. Or Great Britain. The home of the Black man is the motherland. he thought that the true home of the black man's black woman was Africa while teaching that we came from a great people that we are a great people and that we will be a great people again and if mark and if uh Marcus darvey was uh successful at teaching this. Then it would be the end of their power, and it would be just a matter of time before we learned who we truly are. The seed of Yaakov, the true Hebrews, the true Hebrews. You see, brothers and sisters, you see, freedom has always been a threat to tyrants and bullies. A dictator can only dictate to a coward. A bully can only, uh, uh, a, 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 a bully can only um, be, be bullied if he was uh, uh, fearful. You know what I'm saying? A, a bully can only bully the fearful. You see, I, it's hard for me to take that out. You know why? You can get that out because I can't stand bullying. I ain't scared of no damn bully. I ain't scared of no bully. I'll knock a bully out. Give me a bully, I'll knock him out. A bully can only bully the fearful. See, but understand this. The Cidiaco, the Cidiaco are giant killers. We fear no man. And the ultimate threat to this system of tyranny is freedom. And freedom from fear is freedom from death. Now, at this time, At this time when marcus garvey had this movement there was another movement going on okay and what that movement was was called zionism it was the zionist movement the zionist movement uh, could not allow a marcus garvey to be inspiring the slaves to go back to africa now why was it a threat to the zionist movement to, to stop Marcus Garvey from his his uh ambitions for his people to go back to Africa. Because if the slaves would not would would uh go to Africa, he just might realize who he is, right? The slave would be like, wait a minute. This is this something else here. Now if the Negro woke up to the fact that he was a Hebrew this whole Zionist plan would be over. There would not, there would not be a 1948 return to to Israel. That wouldn't happen. That Zionist plan would crumble like a like a like a cheap deck of cards. Now, nobody in the power structure wanted this to happen. Nobody. You see, at this time, the seed of the Amalekites they were scrambling for Africa. They used the best pawn money can buy, by the name of Booker T. Washington, to create the free slave, free labor deals that they became so profitable from. You see, if Marcus Garvey woke up his uh, people, then people like Rockefeller would have lost out in his railroad, uh, railroad, railroad, and oil profits. You know what I'm saying? Rockefeller would have lost out on his railroad and oil profits. The Rothschilds, they would have lost out on their cotton, diamond, gold, and tobacco profits. The Carnegies would have lost out on their steel profits. The Warburg <laughs> would have not been able to finance the war. He would not have been financed to to, he would not be able to uh, put a country, A.K.K. America, into debt. And he would not be able to steal the land of Israel. Warburg, W-A-R-B-U-R-G-S. Steal the land of Israel. You see, Marcus Garvey was not part of this plan. He was not part of the plan. They had to get rid of Marcus Garvey. And in 1919, Gay Edgar Hoover was hired for one main purpose. And that was to destroy the rise of the Black Messiah. Alright, now, keep this in mind. They coined that term Black Messiah. This was not an invention of... uh, uh of black people okay this is not an invention of the black people this was an invention of the fbi now here's the question did they know something we didn't why because in uh the 20s all black people wanted was peace and justice all we wanted was freedom from jim crow and racism black people already had a religion They had us under bondage mentally and physically. We already had Jesus. We weren't looking for no Messiah. We already had Jesus. So why were they so scared of this so-called black Messiah? Why were they so scared of this so-called black Messiah? So the question is, what were they looking for? What do they know about you that you do not know about yourself? Now here's another question. Who really are they? Who are these people? Who really are these people? Now we're going to explore this in this uh in this broadcast today. We're going to explore all this in this broadcast today. And I hope that people really take the time to listen to this. Really take the time to listen to this. I'm going to name a few people in history to open your eyes to the hidden hands behind the scene. Now, I want to be clear. This is not a Jewish conspiracy. I repeat. This is not a Jewish conspiracy. This is a Jew-wish conspiracy, which is people wishing to be the seed of Yaakov. People using this wish to gain financial, global, and political control. You can trace these people back to 324 A.D. of the Council of Nicaea. You can trace these people back to the 14th century Reformation movement. You remember the Reformation Protestant movement of the 14th century? That's going to be very, very important later on in this broadcast. But now you can trace these people at the present day planned global financial destruction. It's the hidden hand. Everybody is getting affected by it. Okay? Now, here, are just a uh, few people to investigate. Okay. Now we have four families we can use in history that have used the Jew wish lie to gain financial, global, and political control. Now understand, regardless if they claim to be Jewish or not, they all can be traced back to the same origin. Okay? Now, we, we we can trace them back to the same origin and I am going to prove this at the, the completion of this broadcast. So, just stick with me. Okay? Now, um, <clears throat> uh, when I hit on this origin in detail later, okay, it's going to open your eyes to a lot of things, including the Esau deception. Okay? Now, Here are four uh, Germanic Japhetic families that use this Jewish lie to gain financial, global, and political control. Okay? Now here are the names of the families. First we have uh first we have the Borgia spelled B O R G I A Borgia family. Then we have the Medici family. M E D I C I, Medici. then we have the Fugger family, F-U-G-G-E-R, okay, and then we have the Rothschild family. Now, the reason why I spell things out, I want you to actually type these into a search and do your own research so you can become a powerful, powerful person. Powerful uh, priest of the Most High. A powerful seed of Yaakov. So you too can become a powerful uh, voice that can help free these people. Okay? So the four families. Borgia, Medesí, Fugas, and Rothschild Now, <clears throat> out of these four families, the only ones bold enough to loudly claim this Jewish lie... Are the Rothschilds. Why is that? Well, the reason is because after the 18th century, the liar was no longer run out of every country and town. What do I mean by this? For centuries, if the people in the towns knew that you were a Jewish person, they would run you out of every town and country. Now, this happened for centuries. Now, I have a question. Were these people being persecuted for their belief in the Most High Ayah? Think about that, and that's a very important question. Judaism is the root of Islam. Judaism Is the root of Christianity. Why would they chase out the root? Why? Why would you persecute yourself? Would you persecute your father? That's a very valuable question. Well, was there another reason? How many of you heard of the word usury? U-S-U-R-Y. Usury. Now I'm going to read a definition. Usury. The lending or practice of lending money at an exorbitant interest. Oh, That's it. <laughs> the lending or practice of. OK, the lending or practice of lending money at an exorbitant interest. I thought I wrote more than that. But I did write this. Um, this word exorbitant. OK, now, did you hear that? What does exorbitant mean? It means to extend the bounds of custom, preparatory, or reason, especially in the amount or extent, highly excessive to charge an exorbitant price, exorbitant luxury. Okay? Now, this means that if I were to loan a person a dollar, and then I say by next week, you have to give me a dollar fifty, and that person can't give me a dollar fifty next week because he didn't earn it, then I say, Well this interest is going to occur until you pay me that money. By the time a year goes by, this poor fool is gonna owe me thousands of dollars, and I just loaned him one. That's called usury or loan sharking. Okay? Now, keep that in mind. It's very important to understand. Now, I'm going to read something. Here's a few facts. It says, The religious orders and the Jews first made money lending a thriving business. As early as the 10th century, monasteries that had accumulated a treasure from Uh, donations and rents were making loans to peasants, loan owners, and the local nobility. Because there were consumption loans at very high interest rates, 30% or higher, they violated the church rule against usury. This opened opportunities for the Jews who were not bound by the Christian prohibition against interest-bearing loans. Aided by a knowledge of banking and some capital, and some capital uh, bought from the Middle East, the Jews by the 11th century were handling most of this business. Okay, now think about it. The Christians had a rule against usury. Okay, the Muslims had a rule against usury, but the Jews did not have a rule against usury. Now, like I said before, did not Islam and Christianity come from Judaism? And is not all three of these religions from the same God, are they not? Now, if the Jew was supposed to be the core of all three of these religions well then how is it that the jew is exempt from the rules of usury? how is that possible who wrote that into the law who added that little item there in judaism i wonder now here's something else it says um The only real necessity for a young man who desired a future in the financial world or the Middle Ages was the ability to read and write. The methods used for bookkeeping, bookkeeping were carefully kept within families and slowly spread along trade routes. Therefore, this knowledge was available most readily to Jesuits and Jews who continually played a major role in European finance. Now, I read this for a reason. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the money. Um, Throughout this broadcast, you will see that everything is all about the money. This is really pitiful. It's pitiful. It's all about the money. And then it continues. It says, um, generally, the Jesuits took the role of the go-between with heads of state, while the Jews manned the low-end pawn shops. This explains the disproportionately proportionate, large share of Jews in the goldsmith trade and early diamond market. And then it says diamonds being a lightweight alternative Go okay, now, I read this um to open your mind, okay, I read this to open your mind to this to to the reality now, I want you to put your religious mind aside, put your religious mind aside now, use your brain to think who controls the money right now think about it have you ever heard of that that phrase that says he who controls the money controls the world now it tells you that the Jews and the Jesuits were the ones that took the initiative to, to create this system one was the goal between the other did the transfer one was restricted by usury, the other wasn't. Now, a lot of people, when you start speaking about the Jews, they get all crazy and like, oh my goodness, we're offending God's people. We have to not... Listen, listen now. They have used his mind control to take over the world. Doing it by taking the true seat of the Most High and enslaving them. And because you let it happen, within a week so year, or maybe even two years from now, you are not going to recognize America. You are not going to recognize um, uh, Portugal, Spain, Greece, Ireland, Iceland. Damn it, they take over the whole world with this financial crisis. Turn on your TV. Go on the Internet. Listen to how they did it. Central banks, fractional reserve banking, they are taking over. Jews and the Jesuits have taken over your financial markets because you have let yourself be deceived. The seed of Yaakov is telling you the truth. You need to listen. Or you're going to be listening to this broadcast in a FEMA camp if they let you. Now, all of this control of finances, does it sound familiar? Like I said, who is in control of the finances today? Now, I have a question. Do you think history is repeating itself? All right, now, I mentioned these four families. Four families. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the characteristics of these families, and we're going to see if these families have anything in common. Let's see if any of these families have any bankers in them or Catholics in them or popes in them. Let's see if any of these families have the Jesuits in them or Jews. Because if these families have any of these people within their bloodline, then this should be a red flag. Okay? Now let's first start with the family called the Bourget family or Borja. spelled B O R G I A. Research it. Look it up. And it reads, the Borgia. The Borgias, also known as Borgia, or Borgia, were a European papal family, uh-oh, uh, of Italian and Spanish origin, and named seeming, uh, seemingly from the family fifth seat of Borgia, belonging to their, their uh Aragonese lords. I probably uh, said that wrong. We'll say Aragonese lords. They became prominent during the Renaissance. The Borges were patrons of the arts, and their uh, support allowed many artists of the Renaissance to realize their potential. The most brilliant personalities of this era regularly visited the court. Okay, now, one thing to keep in mind. We always hear that the um the Borgia were like, Okay, if if we say, Oh, this is a Jewish conspiracy, most people say, No, they weren't Jews. Remember at this time they were hiding their identity. But like at the end of this broadcast, it's not gonna matter if you if, if, if you admit that you're Jew or not. It does that that's like that that little mind control card trick should be eliminated now actually. But for the sake of argument, if people say no, these people weren't Jews Man, it don't matter. You have to go back to their character. But who, does the, who is the core? Who is the core root of the family? That's what we're looking at. Now, where it says here the uh, Ara- Aragunsi, Aragunisi, okay. Um, now, these people basically are the Franks, okay? Franks. Now, the Franks are what we call a Germanic tribe. The Germanic tribe are from Japheth. Now, when we listen, look at the Franks. The, the Franks are actually traced their lineage to Merovingian, the Merovingian dynasty, the Merovingian kings. Now, has has anybody heard of 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 um the Merovingian kings claiming that they are the bloodline of of Jesus Christ? You remember that from the Da Vinci Code. Oh, they're avenging kings. This is the bloodline of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus lived off the cross and he actually married Mary Magdalene. You know that whole story. They claim that. This is how they became popes. It's their bloodline. Okay? Now, here's the question. If you are claiming the bloodline of Jesus Christ, well, wasn't Jesus supposed to be a Jew? Well, if Jesus is a Jew, and you claiming that you're a Medvinian, that means that they're Jews, right? So this is how you claim to be kings based on this bloodline. So you cannot deny if you say that you are, if your if your your family's from the Franks, all right? Like I said, it's still a Jew wish claim, but it's all in the same. Now let me keep reading, cause I want to run out of time. The Bourges became prominent in papal and political affairs in the 14th and 1500s. Today, they are remembered for their corrupt rule when one of them was Pope. One, okay. They have been accused of many different crimes, including idolatry, uh, simony, simony, theft, rape, bribery, incest, and murder, especially murder by arsenic poison. They actually have that in uh in, in, in brackets. The reason why they have the especially murdered by arsenic poisoning because these fools were poisoning pulps for power. Okay? Now it, it reads um because of their search for power, they made enemies of other powerful families, such as the Medici and the Savorza. Savorza spelled S F O R Z A. As well as the influential Dominican Friar Savonarola. Now this guy was one of the guys that was challenging this Medici family because they were crooks. They were crooks and they had this man killed. This is the Pope. This is supposed to be the Catholic Church, man of God, killing people. This is bad. this is this is really pitiful now. And we're going to defend this and ignore the most high uh, uh, seed? You lost your mind? All right, now, now listen up. And it reads, not all of the Bourges were corrupt or violent. Now listen, <laughs> it says, not all of the Borgé were corrupt or violent. Francis Bourget. Who lived fifteen ten to fifteen seventy two? A great grandfather of Pope Alexandria the fourth. No, no, I'm sorry. Pope Alexandria the sixth did not follow his relatives. He had fathered a number of children, and after his wife died, Francesco determined to enter the Society of Jesus, recently formed by Saint Agnatius. Agnus- Ignatius of, Loy, of Loyola. Um, as a reward for his effort, the church canonized the Jesuit Francisco on the 20th of June, 1670. Okay. Now, I, I know I'm, I'm butchering these names, and the reason why I'm butchering these names is because w- what, how I do research is I find out that something is wrong, and then I realize that there's corruption... And then when I I look at the core of the corruption, I've already known it before I even know who did it. And then when I read the name behind it, like some people, they read the name and then they figure out what they've done. I look at corruption, I figure out where it comes from. So then that's why I'm like, well, what is that name? But um, Ignatius uh, Loyola, it's spelled um, I-G-N-A-T-I-U-S and Loyola. Is L O Y O L A. And um, <clears throat> we find out that this man is the one that started the Jesuit priests. And you see how everything's coming together. Hold on now. Let me let me keep going. Now, this is a Borge. He becomes a Jesuit priest. He's he's grand his he's great grandson of Pope Alexandria the Sixth. Alright? Now that's a very important Pope. Now it goes um, and it reads: The Society of Jesus is a is a, a a Catholic male religious order that follows the teaching of the Catholic Church. The members are called Jesuits and are also known uh, colloquially as God's Marines. Yeah, they're also known as God's Marines. Okay, um, <clears throat> now. Uh, pope Alexandria the Sixth was a Borgia, okay, but he was not just any Borgia pope. Borgia, he was not any Borgia Borgia. He was not any pope from this family, but he was one of two popes that started the slave trade. Now, here's a question: Do you think that the Borgia family? became extremely rich from this convenient arrangement. Pope Alexandria VI signed the Inter Catira of May 4th, 1493, and was the Pope when Christopher Columbus sailed to America. Now where was Christopher Columbus from? Where was Christopher Columbus from? Do that research and see if you can find a corruption here. Now, the next family we're going to look at is the Medici. Okay? The Medici spelled M-E-D-I-C-I, family. Now, it reads, the House of Medici, or Familia de Medici, was a political dynasty, banking family, and later a royal house that first began to gain prominence under Casismo Medici in the Republic of Florence during the late 14th century. The family originated in the Mugello region of the Tuscan countryside, gradually uh, rising until they were able to found the Medici Bank. What? These people founded a bank. So here we go. Now their banking family. Okay. That's one of the red flags there. The bank was the largest in Europe during the 15th century. Not just a bank, but the largest in Europe. What's Europe? Sweden, Denmark, Poland, uh, 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 France, Spain, Portugal, England. The largest in Europe. These people were rich. Okay. Okay. Now, and it reads, um, uh, the Medici gained political power in Florence, though officially they remained simple citizens rather than, mar- than monarchs. Simple. Mm-hmm. The Medici produced four popes. Now, we have a banking family and their popes. Now, you see, here's, here's the connection. Four popes of the Catholic Church. And now, who are the popes? Pope Leo X. Pope Clemente, uh, Pope Clement the Seventh, Pope Pius the Fourth, and Pope Leo the Eleventh. All right. Now keep this in mind: the Medici and the Borgia were both papal families during the same time, and they had wars. Okay, they didn't like each other, but they were both Jewish you wish okay and now they were both popes of the construction era during the building of saint peter's church okay now this is important the medici family okay the medici family it's very important to understand this y'all i know that history is boring i know that um to some people And I know that most people don't pay attention to the details, but I'm going to tell you something. If you can get this and understand this, this is going to solve a lot of the mysteries that we are going through today. Because these people that I'm speaking about are extremely important to what's going on today. Okay? Remember the prophecy. It says that my people will be in bondage for 400 years. This is coming upon the end of the 400 years. So we have to look 400 years earlier to when they went into bondage. And if they're going to be released 400 years after, then we have to see what kind type of connection was happening during that time. And it is quite amazing if you can put two and two together. All right, now, this family, the Medici family, there are two words that, that I want you to look at, and that I'm going to read, <laughs> that are going to, that are associated with this family. The first word is called the pawnbroker. Now, this is what it reads. It says the pawnbroker symbol is uh, three spheres suspended from a bar. The three spheres symbol, uh, the three sphere symbol, is attributed to the Medici family of Florence. Okay, they're contributed to the Medici family, Florence of Italy, owning to its symbolic meaning of Lombard. This refers to the Italian province of Lombardy, where pawn shop banking originated under the name of Lombard banking. Now, why did it originate there? Because the Medici had the largest bank in Europe. They basically had the largest bank. They cornered the market for loaning money. You see? They invented Lombard Banking. Pawnbrokers come from this family. Okay? So basically, this family was the originator of pawn shop banking. Now, listen to this. What does it read about Lombard Banking? And it reads, it says... Lombard banking refers to the historical use of the term Lombard for a pawn shop in the Middle Ages. A type of banking and originated a uh, type of banking that originated with the uh, prosperous northern Italian region of Lombardy. The term was sometimes used in a derogatory sense, and and some were accused of usury. Right, but they would use the word. You are Lombardi. Stop doing Lombardi on me. So usury and Lombardi were interchangeable words and used as derogatory. And it says, uh, where pawn shops banking originated uh, under the name of Lombard Banking. All right? Now, you know you're doing something wrong when the culture created a word out of your name that was derogatory. Like, if I was going around slapping women, you're like, don't be David me. Don't be David me. You know, David Daweed. Don't be David me. Oh, he did him. Yeah, he Daweeded that girl. You know what I'm saying? That means your name now is something bad. And they associated it with usury. And who was exempt from usury? The Jews. So don't you put two or two together. Do you think the Medici family was Jewish? Hello. Wake up now. I mean, they created an advantage so they could become the kings of the earth. And it reads The practice of Lombard credit is still commonly used in central banking, where central banks lend against marketable securities such as government bonds, modern repo, repurchase sale transactions are also forms of Lombard Banking. Okay, so this family, the Medici family, are the idea behind the Central Bank, the Fed, the Federal Reserve Bank, the IMF, okay, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, that's breaking all of Africa and South America, the World Bank and Fractional Reserve Banking. Now you're starting to see the picture. Is it, is it starting to come into focus now? The Medici family, also the Medici family, through Pope Leo the Tenth and Pope Clement the Seventh are responsible for the most ground shaking event in recent history. One the Protestant Reformation Movement under Pope Leo X and two, the, Jes- the creation of the Jesuit Order on Pope Clemente VII. Why is that important? Because Pope Leo X broke the church. Pope Clemente VII put it back, uh, Pope Clement VII put it back together. And how do he put it back together? By having the Jesuit Order go out through all the Protestant banks. And basically convert them back into Catholicism through the method of deception. Look into that statement that I said. Find out, try to prove me wrong through that statement, and you'll see what I mean. Okay, um, I got to speed it up because I don't want to run out of time. Now, Pope Leo X, okay, Pope Leo X, he was corrupt. This man was so corrupt that he set off Martin Luther. Okay? And the other Pope Clemente Clement the Seventh created the Jesuit order. Now, remember that quote from the beginning when I started to, to go over the different banks. It says, um, therefore the knowledge was available most readily to Jesuits and Jews, who consequently played a major role in European finance. Now, do you think they're playing a major role in European finance today? 400 years ago, they played a role in European finance. Do you think they just gave that role up? Some of this going to give up their power? Now, listen Clement VII became Pope in 1523. 1523. Pope Leo died in 1521. Okay, that means two years later, Clemente, uh, Clement, the seventh king pope. Now the pope that came after Pope Leo died was only pope for one year and eight months. One year and eight months. He mysteriously dies. Then out of nowhere, we get another pope. Another pope that's from the same family named Clement the Now, ask yourself a question. Doesn't that seem just a little bit suspicious? Now, look at the ramifications behind the popes, these two popes. Okay? The ramifications behind the Reformation movement, the Protestant movement, what do we get? We get two major religions. Right, Protestants and, and and the Catholics. We have two kingdoms, two huge kingdoms that are split. We have a split between uh, England and the, the the British Empire and the um, the uh, the Catholic Empire, the Holy Roman Empire. Right, we get our first World War out of this. We get a World War that lasts thirty years, from sixteen nineteen to sixteen uh, thirty eight. This is called the Thirty Years' War, okay? We have the creation of the British Empire, and then we have the creation of the American Empire. We get the the 1611 King James Bible, right? Um, We also get the change of the calendar from Gregorian calendar. We get all these Protestant religions spread all over the world, right? And all of this because we get crooked popes from where? The... Met a C family. Alright? Look it up. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. If you can. Now, we're going to look at another family. The Fugger family. The Fugger family is spelled, spelled F U G G E R. Now, all these families are connected, though. They all have business relations here. One hand's washing the other now. One hand, what one, one one family is is passing the realms of of power to the other, okay? Now, um, let's read about the Fuger family, Fugger family. F U G G E R, Fugger or the Fugers, the Fugers family. And it says the Fugger, they're uh, German, <laughs> Germanic tribe again. A German family was a historically prominent group of European bankers. Here we go. European bankers, members of the fifteenth and sixteenth century uh, mercantile patriciate uh, of Augsburg international mercantile bankers and venture capitalists like the Welser's and the Hoister uh, families. This banking family repeated the Medici. The, I'm sorry. Let me read that again. This family replaced the de Medici family, who influenced all of Europe during the Renaissance. The Fuggers took over many of the Medici assets as well as their political power and influence. Okay, now what we're with, what we're witnessing here is uh, called a takeover and emerge. Now, if y'all under, if y'all have heard my uh, my uh, the surface even malachite deception, you would know what I'm talking about when I use amalekites, and you know the characteristics of the amalekites all right now this here is the Amalekites trying to cover their tracks and they're doing it through a word called conflation. Look at that word conflation c o n f l a t i o n conflation, conflation. All right because the fluger family they were the money lenders for the people that were buying indulgences at this time. They were buying indulgences from Pope Leo X. Pope Leo X was a medici. Pope Leo X was basically making business for the Fugger family because the Fugger family were the money lenders. Okay? Are you starting to get the picture here? This is a whole conniving deception going on. Brought down the church, made the split, y'all. Wake up! Now I'm going to read about uh, who's Jacob Fugger. Uh, who? Uh, uh, Jacob Fugger, uh, German. He says uh, he he was born 1459 and uh, to 1525. Same era, right? Sometimes known as Jacob Fugger the Rich. This man was so rich he he had that in his name. Oh, that's, uh, that's Dawi Jacob the Rich. Can you imagine someone calling you rich? You must have super money. His name was Jacob Fugger the Rich. It says it was a German banker and a member of the Fugger family. Jacob Fugger the Rich loaned Charles V nearly three tons of gold. Now, why did he lend on this money? To reduce his To procure his election as Holy Roman Emperor over Francis I of France. Um, let me see who else who else did he owe it? Was Francis one of France? It was uh King Charles the Eighth and uh who was the other guy? I can't remember. I'm I'm gonna have to look it up. But <clears throat> think about this man. This guy loaned this money. He loaned this money to the future emperor. The Holy Roman Emperor of France, three tons. How do you have three tons of gold just alone? I mean, this is insane. All right, now it says here. Okay, I'm going to put this in perspective. It says, um, it says, with the help of the wealthy, uh, with the help of the wealthy uh, Fugger family, Charles was elected emperor through a combination of threats and bribes. To the electorate. he defeated the candidacy of Frederick III, Elector of Saxony, Francis I of France, and King Henry VIII of England. The unanimous decision of the electors gave Charles unanimous decision. That means there was no opposition. Unanimous decision of the electors gave Charles the crown on twentieth of June, fifteen seventeen. In 1530, he was crowned Holy Roman Emperor by Pope Clement VII, and Balungna, the last emperor to receive a papal coronation. Now, keep that in mind. What was the name of the pope that actually crowned him? Pope Clement VII, and who was Clement, uh, And who was Pope Clement VII? Medici. He was at the house of Medici. What did he do? He started the Jesuit order. Now, who was the one that financed this emperor to be crowned? The Fugger family. There we go again. We have the Fugger family paying for this election. We have the pope being crowned after they after the people that were wanted the position got got uh, coerced and threatened. Then we have the Pope, Clement VII, who started the Jesuit order, basically like the CIA, that uh, from the House of Medici. Now, are y'all seeing this? All right, let me, let me get going. Uh, okay. At the height of his power, Jakob Fugger was sharply criticized by his contemporaries, especially by Ulrich von Houten and who? Martin Luther. For urging the pope to rescind a amend, to, to rescind or amend the prohibition of the levying of interest and for the sale of indulgences and uh, benefices, like benefits. Uh, the imperial, fiscal and governmental authorities in Nuremberg brought action against him and other merchants trying to halt they monopolistic tendencies. Okay, now we have Jacob the Rich, who is using his financial power to basically um, get rich off of the sale of indulgences. Now, let me explain this. First, an indulgence is basically a sin for sale. The more money you pay, the longer your sins are forgiven. Now, at this time, we have this, uh, this, this, this church, the St. Peter's Church in the Vatican, right? That, the biggest church in the world. The largest church in the world. The church is is, is uh, being reconstructed, okay? It's in the process of being reconstructed. Through the reconstruction of this church, we have 20 popes that are elected over the next 120 years. Okay. Now, the money lenders seen this opportunity and they were all over this project. They all came in to help finance the project by lending money to the pope. Okay? They were also helping popes get elected by lend by give, by giving in money for their elections. It's like Obama getting elect getting money from the uh Goldman Sachs the same thing. Now, their method was they were actually uh basically loaning money for people to pay for the indulgences. So people basically gave money to the church, which they gave money to the Catholic Church. And now we have this huge business coming being happened. And then the the middleman, we have the Jesuits on one side, and then we have the uh the, the, the Jew, Jewish people on the other side. One of the names is <clears throat> Jacob Fuger Malcolm Fugger is urging Pope Leo X, right, to keep doing the practice. When Martin Luther comes in to say, hey, stop doing that. This is not of the eyes of the Most High, right? Martin Luther is angry because they're making money hand over fist. And Fugger is basically telling Martin to shut up, mind his business. But Martin doesn't shut up, mind his business. He gets angry and starts a revolt. Now, keep this in mind. Okay. At this time, the Fogas were the richest family in Europe. They were lending money to empire. They were funding wars. The popes were selling indulgences. Okay. All this was done under the House of Medici. And it was funded by the Fugger family. Now, what happens to the Fugger family? The Fugger family merged with the Habs. Burg family. They start to intermarry. Who are the Habsburg family? Now, look this up while I'm saying this. H-A-B-S-B-U-R-G-S. H-A-B-S-B-U-R-G-S. Put this in the search, wiki or whatever, hit enter, and find out who this family is as I continue with this broadcast. Okay? Now, the Fugger family, listen what they do. <clears throat> the Fugger family, they expend trade into South America, Central America, and West Indies. Now, guess what trade this family is invested in, heavily invested in? If you guess the slave trade, you are absolutely correct. They invested in the Slave trade, the trade in sugar, cotton, tobacco, gold, silver, and slave labor. the Fugel family did all of this as they merged with the Habsburg family. The Habsburg Empire was basically the empire from uh, Francis uh, emperor of uh, uh, Emperor Charles, you know I'm saying? I mean, they loaned him the money. How's he gonna pay back three tons of gold? Take my daughter. Take my son. Let's merge. You know what I'm saying? Now we have these family interlocking. Okay? They were all in business together. The Catholic church were making money. The popes were making money. The Jesuits were invest were were um, pushing for it. Okay? They had the, the uh, St. Petersburg church they were building, making money on that. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. Now, this brings me to the final family, the Rothschilds family. Now, I'm going to read the Rothschilds family. Now, let's see. Who are the Rothschilds? And it says, the Rothschild family, known as the House of Rothschilds, are more simple simply as the Rothschilds is an emperor dynasty of German Jewish origin that established European banking and finance houses starting in the late 18th century. Now, this is late 18th century. Remember, we had 1415, 17. now here's the 18th century. Okay? It says, Five lines of the Austrian branch of the family have been elevated to Austrian nobility, being given hereditary. Barons baronies of the who Habsburg's Empire. Remember I told you to look that up? Habsburg's Empire by Emperor Francis II in 1816. Another line of the British branch of the family was elevated to British nobility at the quest of Queen Victoria. Now you know why the slave trade went on so long. It has been argued that during the 19th century, the family passed by far the largest private fortune in the world as well as by far the largest fortune in modern world history. The wealth of the family, the wealth of the Rothschild family, at its height during the mid nineteenth century, that means eighteen hundreds, eighteen with this, eighteen that, in the nineteenth century, has been estimated in today's term in the hundreds of billions or even the trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars. Now, we all know uh, about the Roth trials, right? Because it's a recent thing. They can't hide that the Jews. That's why they don't hide it. Okay, they don't. Ha- they can't hide it. Now, I wonder who's benefiting from the present, planned global financial destruction. Could the Rothschilds be benefiting from this present planned global financial destruction now <clears throat> the question I did before going through these families because those are the four families that I just wanted to use as an example about um uh you know within why they wanted to stop the rise of the black messiah uh you know. Why did the uh, FBI or or CIA create that term, Black Messiah? And um, this should answer you uh, who these people are. Because the question was, who, who are they? You see, they created the Black Messiah so they can see any signs of the true seed waking up. They had to make sure they can look out for that. They know, uh, they know that we have the power to destroy their plans because we would basically say, "Look, this is this is the truth. What's going on? See, this is why they needed this one world system. So, so we could not wake up. They figured they'll never wake up. But you can see, the people that are claiming to be Jews are not the Jews." I mean, we're not even Jews. We're Hebrews. This is a made-up word for for made-up people. They made that word up for one thing and one thing only. Opportunity. They were opportunists. They are using their own people to create a religion. And their own people are looking at me crazy, like I'm insulting them, when they need to be pissed off more than I do. Because they made them the enemies of everybody by using them, putting them in the line of fire. Use them in Nazi Germany. They use them in Israel right now so people can look at them with disgust and hatred. Only because you have people that are at the top of your family that are making you look like the villain. You need to stand up also and speak out against this injustice. You're going to fall just like we are. You think this financial global collapse is going to get, is gonna escape you? Did it escape you when you were in Germany? Did it escape you when you were in Germany in the Holocaust camps? No, it did not escape you. They used you just like they're using you now. Wake up and understand this truth. There are people within your family that became filthy rich off of a lie now this broadcast gets a lot deeper than this so get ready now i'm going to break down uh, where they come from and we're going to go over how this relates to a few prophecies but i'm gonna take a quick break and then uh, i'm gonna come back okay stay with me Welcome back. Um, uh, What you just heard was Lauren Hill. And I just want to say one thing is I only hope that Lauren Hill comes back and starts to record music again. And if she can start to record this Hebrew music, man, oh, man, she would really, really wake up a lot of people. Lauren, if you're listening by some miracle. I just pray, sister, that you just get back on that mic and just win eight more Grammys. Cause when you start singing about the most high, it's just gonna be it's gonna be all over with. Uh anyway, y'all, that was uh Lauren Hill. Now, to continue, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read Leviticus twenty six forty three. Uh this section of the um of the broadcast is entitled The Covenant. Because it's called the Covenant and the Hidden Hand. Okay? Now this part is the covenant. And we're going to handle both, get more detailed into Hidden Hand, but also uh, in in case people are wondering why is this man attacking the Jews and, you know, is he some kind of anti-Semite or well, is he anti- if he's the anti-Semitic and all this, this madness. I'm going to tell you, y'all, that was specifically put there for the purpose of us not researching the information that we need in order to take control, take back control of our lives as individuals and free-thinking human beings. By understanding the common sense that's out there, when we see something that's wrong and we say, hey, here's the problem, when we start to investigate that problem and then the red flag of anti-Semitism comes up, then we stop doing all research and the plan of destruction continues. Now, that's what's going on. So, what I'm doing right now is I'm going to explain how do you know who the uh, seed of the covenant is? is, who was this covenant made with? We're going to look at this through scriptures. And the scripture we're going to use is Leviticus twenty six forty three, And it reads, The land also shall be left of them, and shall enjoy her Sabbath, while she lieth desolate without them, and they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, because even become, no, um, of their iniquity, because even because they de- uh, despise my judgment and because their soul abhorred my structure or my status. And yet for all that when they be in the land of their enemies, what did that say? Be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them, for I am who Yahuwah Aya Their Elohim. Okay? Now this is talking about a people that a covenant was made with. It says that even when you're in the lands of your enemies, I am not I haven't casted you away. Well who's in our land now? Think about that. Now, I have a question. Was the covenant made with the so-called spiritual Israel? Was this covenant made with these people that say, oh, we are now spiritual Israel? Spiritual Israel. Are you of this covenant? Tell me, when did your forefathers go into bondage? Are you of the seed of Yaakob? Were your people to be the priest of the Most High? Now, hold on now. In this uh, 2643, did you hear that verse? It says, the land shall be left of them and shall enjoy her sadness. Now, don't overlook this. It's very important. The land is supposed to be at rest, not occupied by usurpers. It's supposed to be at rest. It says, the land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbath while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept of their punishment of their iniquities. Now, did you hear that? So here's another question. Are we supposed to be in the land right now? Is the seed of Yaakov supposed to be in Israel right now? Or is the land supposed to be at rest? Now look at Leviticus 26.45. But I will, for their sakes, remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen. That I might be their Elohim. I am Yahuwah. These are the statutes and judgments and laws. Which Yahuwah made between him. And the children of Yaakov. In Mount Sinai. By the hand of Moses. Now with all due respect. This is speaking of a specific people. This is pretty specific. There's only one people on this earth that match these scriptures perfectly. One people on this earth that has been in captivity for the past 400 years and that this uh, covenant was made with. Okay? Now, I want to be clear on something, though. The slave trade started in fourteen. 14- 52, okay, when they started enslaving the African within that African nation, you had Hebrews and non-Hebrews. There have been Africans that have been enslaved longer than this 400-year period. So there are also people on this earth that have been enslaved at a longer period of time than the Hebrews. But to make it clear, meaning that which people was the covenant made with at this time. You see, the enslavement of these other African people, which are our brothers and sisters, they were brought into slavery because of our iniquity. If it wasn't for our iniquity, then they wouldn't have went into bondage. Because we would have been able to watch this Amalekite before he got out of hand. But now that we have went into slavery, we are coming upon the 800-year limit of our enslavement. Now, freedom is knocking on the door. Okay? Freedom is knocking on the door. Now, I'm going to read Genesis 15:12, so we can see this prophecy. And it says, uh, "And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him, and he said unto No of a know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not there, and shall serve them, and uh, shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for Hundred years. And also that nation who they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Now those that know my broad my past broadcast, you know that they were only in Egypt captivity for two hundred and thirty years. They actually in two hundred and thirty years that they were in Egypt, they were only in captivity for a hundred and thirty years. Eighty of those years, they were actually. Um, they were in co-rulership with what is known as the Hyksus, okay? When the Hyksus ran, when when, uh, when the Hyksus lost power after their 80 years, then the Egyptians came in and the Hebrews had to escape under Amun. Now, this makes more sense when you understand history and understand who came into power when the Hyksus were going out, okay? Now, in Genesis, keep this in mind. The, the the first Hebrews of the seed of Yaakov, uh of the seed Jacob, okay. Isaac Jacob, Isaac Abraham, Abraham Noah Noah Abraham Isaac Jacob Jacob twelve twelve tribes okay seed of Jacob. In case people are confused, why I keep saying the seed of Jacob and I don't say Israel, I don't say Israel because. Israel was given to uh, Yaakov by the being that wrestled with him, not by the Most High Ayah. Understand that fact. They live because we sleep. One year ago today, listen to it. Now, the first Hebrews of the city Yaakov came to Jamestown in 1619. So this means in 1807, this this little event here, this did not end slavery the event in 18 the event in 1833 did not end slavery the event in 1865 did not end slavery you see our brothers and sisters are are, are not free they're not free think about the imf bondage the religious bondage The child labor that's still going on with these chocolate factories in the cocoa farms. Still happening. We are not free. And to prove that we're not free, this whole world's going into bondage now. This whole world is going into bondage. Financial bondage. The global system of financial collapse is creating FEMA camps, prison state, literal bondage for everybody on this planet, all courtesy of the IMF. Are you starting to wake up to this now? Now, let's take this a step further. Let's explore the enmity between the serpent and Yaakov. Now, this broadcast is called Rise of the Black Messiah, the Covenant Seed, and the Hidden Hand. So, who exactly is this hidden hand? Now, to find this out, we're going to look at the uh, hidden hand in action, okay? And we're going to look at what they do and the characteristics of their their demonic acts and then trace back to who actually caused these demonic acts. Now, first we have to look at who's responsible for the uh, Rwanda Genocide, which killed over 800,000 men, women, and children, men, women, and children. This happened in 1994. We have the Sudan genocide of over 400 uh, men, women, and children died, right? Then we have the Congo genocide of over 4.5 million men, women, and children died. This happened in 2003. And then let's not forget about the Congo genocide of over ten million men, women, and children. And this was in the 18, 1880s. Okay, now we have the uh deaths in Somalia and Darfur. How many how many dies? Numbers unknown. We have the conflicts and the deaths on the Ivory Coast, Haiti and Nigeria, numbers of deaths unknown. Okay, we have the reported over 50,000 dead in Libya recently from these uh, NATO and United Nations uh, peace bombs. <laughs> uh, now we have the, the bio weapons, the bio weapon called AIDS, this AIDS virus that seems to specifically target people of African descent. And let's not forget about the over 16 million abortions of so called African Americans since 1973. Now keep this in mind. All of this death can be tracked back to those families that I mentioned before, the ones that I spoke about earlier, the Borgia, the Fugers, the Medici, and the Rothschild. This beast has killed countless people all over this planet, not just black people. It killed countless people all over this planet. But this beast has a bloodlust for people of color, specifically of African descent. You notice that list that I I showed you, all those people, uh, Sudan, Rwanda, Gafour, Ivory Coast, Haiti, Nigeria, all these, they're just killing us like flies. Now, this—the reason why uh, NATO, you know—I mean, not NATO, um, the CIA. No, not not the CIA. Al Qaeda. I keep getting them confused. What I'm talking about is why the National Transition Council of Libya, which is supported by NATO, tortured, raped, and murdered Black Libyans. This is why the hidden hand came up with this theory of eugenics, okay when NATO allowed the uh kill of these uh the killing of these um black Libyans, it was just part of the play now I'm going to get into this theory of eugenics to prove my point okay I mean this is why all of these African nations are suffering they're suffering because of this theory of eugenics. Now what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna uh we're gonna pay attention to um I want you to pay attention to to when I speak about Rwanda. Okay? Because we're gonna use Rwanda as an example to track down this beast. Now I want you to watch how this, this uh hidden hand is controlling the strings. Watch how they're controlling the uh the strings of this, this genocide. Okay? Okay, now Rwanda is an example of the eugenics blueprint, okay? The blueprint of the serpent. Now, I'm going to read this article. This article is from a, a website called Human Rights Council, okay? And it's called Genocide in Rwanda. And it reads, Policymakers in, listen to the names, France, Belgium, and the United States. Hear that? Policymakers in France, Belgium, United States and the United Nations were aware of the preparations for mass slaughter and failed to take the steps needed to prevent it. Aware from the start that Tutsi were being targeted for elimination. Tutsi were being targeted for elimination. I wonder why. And it reads, The leading foreign actors refused to acknowledge the genocide. Not only did international leaders reject what was going on, but they also declined for weeks to use their political and moral authority. They have no morals. They have no morality. That's why they didn't use it. Their moral authority to challenge the legitimacy of the genocidal government. They refused to declare that a government guilty of exterminating its citizens would never receive international assistance. They did nothing to silence the radio that televised calls for slaughter. Even after it had been indisputed that was going on in Rwanda. Uh I'm sorry, we read that right. Even after it had been indisputed that what was going on in Rwanda was a genocide. American officials had shunned the G word genocide, fearing that it would cause demands for intervention. I mean they, they, they only they not only they ignored it, they made sure that it kept going on. So here's the question. Who were the powers behind France, Belgium, United States, and the United Nations? Who were the powers behind these countries? Now what family gave um gave us uh, Pope Alexandria? Which which families gave us Pope Alexandria? The one that started the um Alexander, I mean the one that started the uh the slave the slave trade. Go back and think about which family that was. Then you'll find out who was behind this um this this, this slaughter of the Rwandan people. Now, here's another example. This is this article is called The History of Rwanda and um it's from Wiki. And it says, okay, now this is speaking about uh, how Germany in uh, 1893 took over Rwanda. Think about this, 1893, 1893, we're in 2011, okay? In 1893, this is how Germany took over Rwanda. And it reads, during this period, many Europeans had become obsessed with race. And this had an impact on life in Rwanda. The Germans believed who the Germans and whose Germans? Germanic tribe, Jaffa. Germanic tribe, Ashkenazis, Germanic tribe, Magog. Ah, that's coming up. Okay, now it reads, The Germans believed the Tutsi ruling class was a superior racial type who became... Who, because of their apparent hermetic origins on the Horn of Africa, were more European than the Hutu because of their seemingly taller statue, more honorable and elegant personalities, and their willingness listen to this, their willingness to convert to Roman Catholicism, the colonists included powerful Roman the uh, colonists, including including powerful, powerful Roman Catholic officials. Favored the Tutsi, they were put in charge of the farming Hutus uh, almost in a feudalistic manner, the newly formed principalities and were given basic ruling positions eventually, these positions would turn into the overall governing body of Rwanda. The Tutsi oppressed the, the Tutsi oppression of the Hutu Hutsu seemed somehow normal and expected now remember it was the tutsi who were being killed recently by the hutu now we see that the seed was planted by who the roman catholic officials they're still at it 1893 and you know this is for money you know somebody was getting paid from this who was getting paid from the farming what were they farming what were the resources Ask these questions. Search. Follow the money. Who are the popes in charge at this time? Okay? Okay, now, here we have, in the 1990s, powerful Roman Catholic priest converting the Tutsi into Christianity. They're creating a system of Racism. What does this system do? It enslaves the Hutu. Now keep this in mind, right? They did a recent test, the DNA test, and when they did the test, it proves that these are the same people. Both are African. Both of the same bloodlines. Okay, now keep this in mind. This here pattern, just like the British Empire did to the Indians, and the United States did to the, to Liberia when they went over there and colonized Liberia, What did they do? They created a caste system to divide and conquer. What did they do? They used religion to create bondage. It's the blueprint. We're looking at the blueprint right in front of our eyes. Recent history, Rwanda. What did it do? 800,000 dead. Are you starting to see the picture now? Okay, now, did you notice what they said in this article? because this gets deep into the more stuff that we have to understand. It says, the hemetic origin of the Tutsi, okay, the hemetic origin of the Tutsi. Okay, now, we'll read the the whole part. It says, uh, the Germans believe the Tutsi ruling class was a superior racial type who, because of their apparent hemetic origins on the Horn of Africa, were more European than the Hutu. (laughs) Now, Let's say one more thing. When these demonic crooked Catholic bastards I'm sorry, these Catholic this Catholic Church and these moneylenders to the AKA the AKA the hidden hand, when these 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 filthy beasts, when they came across the kingdoms of Africa, okay now think about this now. These people, when they came across the kingdoms of Africa, when they started to say, oh, let's go down and see what land we can, we can um, um, take over in Africa. What did they see? They saw the kingdom of Aksum. They saw the kingdom of Kush. The kingdom of Kush. Okay? They saw the, it was called the, Hem, the, the Hem, Hemyarite kingdom. Hemyarite kingdom. They saw the kingdom of Ethiopia they noticed all these beautiful black people that had massive amount of wealth everybody was living peacefully they had beautiful castles and temples and gold and ivory and people had these beautiful colors on they were like man look at this beauty and what did they do all of this located on Horn of Africa right what is the first thing they did what's the first thing that went through their mind well why don't we create white supremacy? And what we'll do is we'll create two types of Negroes. We'll have the Northern Negro and the Southern Negro. Okay. We'll have the Northern Negro. We'll, 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 split them up. We'll call them hemetics. Hemites now. Contradicting their own lie. Because remember in 1400s, they said ham is Black. So therefore we enslaved. But now when they see black people that aren't going to be enslaved, because the slave trade is supposed to be over, in eighteen in the late 18th century, they're like, oh my goodness, wait, hold on now. Okay? Because remember the scramble for Africa. The scramble for Africa happened after the slaves were supposed to be free. But now they have to explain all these beautiful kingdoms. These beautiful people walking around here. Black people. In Africa, okay, we'll we'll just say they're hemetic people. It will create theories of eugenics. Are y'all starting to get the picture now? Now, let's read what uh, Wikipedia says. Now, this is speaking about the Belgium colonization. And it says, um, Belgium Belgium rule created more of an ethnic divide between the Tutsi and the Hutu. And they supported Tutsi political power due to the eugenics movement. You heard that? Due to the eugenics movement in Europe and the United States, the colonial, the colonial government became concerned with the difference between Hutu and Tutsi. Scientists arrived to measure skulls, and thus they believed brain size. Uh, um, and, and, and thus they believed brain size. Tutsi skulls were bigger. They were taller, and their skin was lighter. As a result of this, Europeans came to believe that Tutsi had Caucasian ancestry and were thus superior to Hutus. I mean, isn't that filthy, y'all? Isn't that disgusting? How can you go to a culture instead of being like, man, what, what did you guys learn how to do this? Let's let's trade uh, understanding. Let's trade skill. What type of fabrics are you? Man, you know what I'm saying? Instead of, instead of acknowledging the beauty of that... They went in there like vultures to divide and conquer. <laughs> and it reads Each citizen was issued a racial identification card which identified one as legal Hutu or Tutsi. The Belgians, remember the Belgians, slave trade starters? The Belgians gave the majority of political control to the Tutsi. Tutsi began to believe the myth of their superior racial status and exploit their power over the majority. Then it says, in the 1920s, remember Marcus Garvey saying go back to Africa? Brother, you ain't going back to Africa. Now, while this is going on, they knew he wasn't going back to Africa. They had to destroy him. But here it says, in the 1920s, Belgium ethnologists analyzed measured skulls, etc. Thousands of Rwandans on Logois landalogists, Racial criteria, um, such as which would be used later by the Nazis. <laughs>
3: these
1: people use it on themselves. They created a system and then they use it on. These are some disgusting ass people, y'all. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, man. I have changed since I I uh, came into this knowledge, and it's it's really sad because before this, you know, I was like. I had a different thought, different view of the world, and everybody was cool, and I was all cool with the Jews, and everything's fine. Now, I'm still, I'm not a racist or nothing like that, because I don't understand what that is. But I do now have a, a bad view towards humanity now. I cannot believe that people will let something like this happen, knowing that where it comes from, and still allow for it to persist. I cannot accept that. That's why I'm spending hours and hours doing these broadcasts, just trying to see, is anybody out there, does anybody out there have humanity left in you? You see, I'm going to die one day. I don't care. I'm not going to live forever. But my children have to live in this earth. Their children's children have to live in this earth. If somebody does not stand up for what is right, then what's the point? You can kill me tomorrow. I don't give a damn. There's nothing on this earth that I desire. I love the most high. I, yeah. that's all I live for. Now, let me continue because oh, this is going to be a five-hour broadcast. I, I got to cut it short. And it says, in uh, 1931, an ethnic identity was officially mandated, and administrative documents systematically detailed each person's ethnicity. Each Rwanda had an ethnic identity card, and everybody's scared of the damn mark of the beast. Oh, no, they're going to put a chip in you, and then everybody's not going to be able to buy and sell without the chip. Oh, no. We Let's hope that we get taken out of here by the, um, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, what is that damn thing called? Where'd you go? Oh, I can't even think of the word now. See, it's, I don't I don't believe it so much, I don't even think of it. What is called when you leave out? Anyway, let me read, let me read. Now, um, from reading this, did you hear that? They're speaking about the eugenics movement. Okay? This whole article is speaking about the eugenics movement in Europe, in the United States. All right? Now, I want you to go back and listen to uh, The Rise of the Black Messiah. Know Your Enemy. Listen to how they use the blueprint. See, they did the exact same thing to the Liberians they they had the light-skinned african americans controlling the dark-skinned africans they used mulatto people they used mulatto negroes in the united states let them go to liberia and use them to control the liberians and put them in slavery and they did the same they had they had the same effect they believed they believed the hype they were drinking the kool-aid you know what? I read that that Willie Lynch letter was a forgery, but I tell you what—forgery or not, it was extremely effective. I don't believe it was a forgery. I think it was real because you cannot write something like that and put it into perfection. That somebody ran across the blueprint. They're just trying to—they're just trying to call it forgery. They're just trying to call it forgery. Now, this system of white supremacy is being used at this time in Rwanda and Liberia. Now, all of this, this this system is being done under the watchful eye of Freemasonry. You see, the colonization society in, in Liberia was part of Freemasonry. It was all Masons running that. All Masons. Okay? I'm take a sip of water real quick. Throat's getting a little dry. Now, let me um, let me continue. <clears throat> now, let's get back to the uh, hemetic origins comment. Now, in the article, it reads this part. It says, during this period, many Europeans had become obsessed with race, and this had an impact on life in Rwanda. The Germans believed the Tutsi ruling class was a superior racial type who, because of their apparent hermetic origins on the Horn of Africa, were more European than the Hutu. Now, there are three words that I want you to. Uh, there are three words that I want uh, you you to 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 think about. I want these words to burn inside your mind, uh, so you can uh, understand where these people are coming from that created this system and who they are. And the three words are European, Hemetic, and Race. Okay? These three words tell the whole story. Now let's break this down. This word um this word Hemetic. Okay, we're gonna use this word Hemetic. Now here's an article from the web and it speaks about this word Hemetic. Now listen very carefully because it's going to reveal a lot. And it says, "Um in the nineteenth century, as an application of scientific racism, the Hemetic race became a subgroup of the Caucasian race alongside the Semitic race, grouping the non Semitic population native to North Africa, the Horn of Africa, and South Arabia, including the ancient Egyptians. The Hemetic theory suggested that this Hemetic race was superior." Uh, two or more advanced than Negroid population of the sub-Sahara Africa. So basically, uh, the people of Ham, the black people, they're not black after all. They're Caucasians now, according to this article, according to Scientific Racism. You see, the, uh, the uh, all of the Egyptians, the Ethiopians, the Libyans, the Nubians, the Yemens, all the people above the Sub-Saharan Africa are now black Caucasians. Have you ever seen a black Caucasian? Ethiopia. That's a black Caucasian. <laughs> and all the other people in Africa, they're called Negroids now. The Negroids. So where did the Negroid come from? If he did not come from 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 Ham or Noah. Are they telling us that there's two creations now? Oh, you see, I thought that Noah was the uh, the first family, the surviving family after the flood, and no other man existed but Noah. But now they're telling us that there's a a a uh, Negro just just floating around out there, because now the other people are called. Hamites. <laughs> Wait, hold on now. The Hamites were free, though, roaming around, but then the other people, Negroes, that we thought were Hamites, are not. See, y'all, it don't make any sense. It's stupid. What does this mean? Now, what about. How, how are they going to explain the, the uh, white people in South Africa? Remember, these the white people down there, they say, We have been here. Way before any Negro ever stepped on this planet, so you've been there longer than the negroids and the sub-Saharas, the Hemites. so what do we call you? Are you white negroids? So now they're white white negroids. we have We have white negroids and black Caucasians. You see how stupid this sounds, and you're going to waste your time on the internet arguing with people. That the Egyptians were black. It's a waste of time. These people are insane. They think we're speaking conspiracy theories, but their theories that they they put in books. These things are, are, are illogical and they're stupid. We shouldn't even give it the time of day. Ignore these idiots. They don't deserve our time. They're nothing but thieves, murderers, and liars. Now, let's read about this. um, uh, uh, Listen to this. It says, in his most extreme form, in the writing of C.G. Siegelman, and I believe this man is Jewish, would you be surprised, it asserts that all significant achievements in African history were the work of Hemites. He says that all significant achievements in African history were the work of Hemites. Notice how he's trying to separate this from the Negroid. (laughs) who migrated into Central Africa as pastoralists, bringing technologies and civilization skills with them. It says, theoretical models of Hemetic languages and Hemetic races are interlinked in in the early 20th century. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now, we see how they can still say that the Egyptians and the Nubians, are Caucasians? Even now they're saying this. Even though these people look black, they're saying that the Egyptians and, <laughs> and the Nubians, which is which is those uh, uh, under Libya, Sudan, and all these areas, are, are supposed to be um, Caucasians. Okay, they look black, but they're they're uh, uh, they're they're part of Caucasian. They are Hermetic. Okay. What What does a hematic advocacy mean? Well, I guess they're saying they're Oreo cookies. They're ice cream sandwiches. These are Oreo cookies, ice cream, what does that mean? They are black on the outside, white in the middle. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all, but it's, whoo, man, we let ignorance like this just,
3: just, just go. I mean,
1: got policies made, we got people dying in Rwanda because of it. You know, by the, by the millions people are dying because of these lies. And nobody's calling them on it. Okay, there's research says It uh, says, the term Hemetic originally referred to the people believed to have been descended from the biblical Ham, one of the sons of Noah. When Ham dishonored his father, Noah prom- pronounced a curse on him stating that the descendants of his son will be servants of servants of Ham. It's four uh, go, uh, servants of servants. Then it says, Of Ham's four sons, Canaan fathered the Canaanites, Canaanites, Canaanites while Mithram fathered the Egyptian, Cush the Cushites, and Phut the Libyans. During the Middle Ages, this was interpreted to define Ham as the ancestor of all Africans, the curse was regulatory interpreted as having created visible racial characteristics in Ham's offspring, notably black skin. According to Edith Sanders, the sixth century Babylonian Talmudus states that the descendants of Ham are cursed by their uh, by being black and despicts Ham as a sinful man and his progeny as degenerates. Both Arab and later East, uh, European and American slave traders used this story to justify African slavery. Okay, now, of course, this is in reference to dum Diversus issued by Pope Nicholas V, who was a uh, uh, Medici from, from the from the family line of. Um, no, 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 no. That was that was that was wrong. I mean, that was Pope Alexandria, the That was the Medici. Okay, that was the uh, intracartra, the uh, intercatira. That's where they were able to take over all of South America and Brazil, and, and Africa and, and claim it for the Pope. I mean, it's just sad. Now, like I mentioned previously, uh, I had a broadcast prior to this one. Um. uh in that broadcast, I I actually go through this, how the usurper rabbis of the seat of Benjamin became the high priest, they became the high priest of the temple, and then we have the Sadducees and the Pharisees, both were both imposters, they were not Hebrews or Sidiakos. What they did was they created the book that we know as the Talmud. The Talmud basically is the root, the core of white supremacy. Now remember, this has nothing to do with uh religion per se as in like spirituality this is all about the money okay all this creation is about the money now what we're going to do in these last chapters is we're going to start the last part of the broadcast is we're actually going to go over to who this usurper is bring it down to the core the root the root of who this usurper is okay we take a quick break and i'll be right back
4: psalm 83 Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagarines, Gibal and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, Aser also has joined with them. They have in the children of Lot, Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin at the brook of Chison, which perished at Endor. They became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all their princes as Zeba and as Zalmunna, who said, let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O oh my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind. As the fire burneth the wood, and as the flame setteth at the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah, art the Most High over all the earth.
1: Let them be ashamed and troubled forevermore. Yea, let them be confounded and destroyed. And let them know that thy name is Yahuwah, that thou alone art the Most High over all the earth. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah! I just want to back up, uh, Mr. Alexander, on that. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to get into the um, the the curse of uh, of Ham. Um, I spoke about this last uh, broadcast, the other um, installment of Rise of the Black Messiah, Pawns and Rebels. Now, I'm going to read something out of the Book of Jubilees, Chapter 7, and we're going to put to rest, we're going to put to rest this curse of hand and explain exactly where it came from, from the Book of Jubilees, and I'm going to read uh, everything that is related to that, and then we're going to find out who actually uh, is the person that's supposed to be cursed here. Okay. So um, open up your ears and listen up. Because it's going to get quite interesting. Okay now. This is Jubilee chapter 7. And it reads. And Noah awoke from his sleep. And knew all that his younger son had done unto him. And he cursed his son and said. Cursed be Canaan. An enslaved servant. Shall he be unto his brethren. And he blessed Shem and said, Blessed be the Elohim, Yahuwah, of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Remember, Canaan is the, the, the servant of uh, Shem. Uh, Eloah shall enlarge Japhet, and Eloah shall dwell in the dwellings of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Okay. And Ham knew that his father had cursed his younger son, and he was displeased that he had cursed his son. And he parted from his father, he and his sons with him, Cush and Mithram, and Put and Canaan. Now, after reading this verse in uh, Jubilees, um, did you hear anything about uh, color changing, changing color of the skin? Okay. I'm going to read chapter 9, and it reads, And Ham divided amongst his sons, and the first portion came forth for Cush towards the east, Cush towards the east, and to the west of him for Misram, and to the uh, west of him for Put, and to the west of him, and to the west thereof on the sea for Canaan and Ham, divided amongst his sons, and the first portion came forth for Cush toward the east, and to the west of him for Mitram, and to west of him for put, and to the west of him, to the west thereof of the sea of Canaan. Now, where is this at? If Mitram is Egypt, and Mitram is to the east, right? And they're going to the west of Mithram, then that means they're going to West Africa, right? Okay. If they're going to West Africa and they said that Canaan was supposed to be by the sea, then what does that mean? That means he's on the coast of West Africa. So Canaan was supposed to be on the west coast of Africa if Mithram, which is Egypt, is in the east. Now understand where did Canaan go? And it reads, chapter ten, in the fourth week in the first year, in the beginning thereof, in the fourth and thirteenth jubilee, where they dispersed from the land of Shinar, and Ham and his sons went into the land, which was to occupy, which he was to occupy, which he acquired as his portion in the land of the south now what did he say they were somewhere else they were supposed to occupy in the land of the south so if they're going to occupy in the land of the south they are ham so therefore they're African so therefore Canaan was supposed to go south west west of where egypt east coast I'm sorry, west coast of Africa. Here here it is again, okay? Now and it says, And Canaan saw the land of Lebanon Lebanon to river of Egypt, that it was very good, and he went not into the land of his inheritance to the west. See he was supposed to be going, but he stopped. Uh that is to the sea, and he dwelt in the land of Lebanon, eastward and westward from the borders of Jordan. And from the border of sea, of the sea, and Ham, his father, and Cush, and Mitram, his brother, said unto him, Thou hast settled in a land which is not thine, and which did not fall to us by lot. Do not do so, for if thou doest do so, thou and thy sons will fall in the land. I mean, will uh, fall in the land and be accursed through sedition. For by sedition you have settled, and by sedition will thy children fall, and thou shalt be rooted out forever. Dwell not in the dwellings of who? Shem. For to Shem and to his sons did it come by their lot. So now what are we seeing? We're seeing Canaan, instead of going to West Africa, he goes and stops in Lebanon, in the areas of Lebanon, where is modern day Israel, where they call Israel, and he was warned by his father and his brothers, Canaan, do not go there. If you do, you will be accursed. Okay, now it's going to, it's, can you, I'm going to continue to read. It says, "Cursed art thou, cursed art thou, and cursed shalt thou be beyond all the sons of Noah." OK, who's this who's Noah's sons? Japheth, Shem, Ham. OK, but the sons of Noah's also equals the offspring. So out of all the offspring of Noah, Canaan will be the most cursed. Why? OK, now here it goes by the curse, uh, which we bound uh, by 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 the curse, by which we bound ourselves By an oath in the presence of the holy judge. And in the presence of Noah our father. But he did not hearken unto them. And dwelt in the land of Lebanon. From Hamath to the entering of Egypt. He and his sons until this day. And for the reason the land is named Canaan. Okay. So now. Did Noah curse Canaan, or did Noah see the future well that's that's a really uh that's a really um important uh, uh uh question to ask because did 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 Noah curse Canaan or did Noah basically just see the future because Canaan went into the land by sedition think about it. This was Canaan's act of sedition that allowed the Amalekites to destroy him. Who are the Amalekites? Oh, you have to do some learning now. Think about this. If Canaan was not in the land, okay, if Canaan was not in this land that was supposed to be Shem's, would Canaan be destroyed right now? Mm Mm-hmm. Because what did the prophecy say? It said it said to Shem Shem Now <clears throat> Shem had the uh the, the dwelling of the most high with him. Right? He says uh remember it reads, it says Elohim, Yahuwah, shall dwell in the dwelling of Shem. The Malachites can't take nothing that the most high is dwelling in. This whole world will look like a different place, but what happened? Canaan took the land by sedition, cooked that, he kicked the buffer out. Shem was the buffer between the northern demons and the south uh, people of the Most High, the southern people of the Most High. Now, why didn't you ask, uh, why don't you ask uh, those that claim to be Jews this story? I wonder why they, they changed the story around. Um, could they be the Amalekites? I wonder. Why don't you uh, pull one of these um, these so-called Jews aside and ask them, uh, excuse me, um, who was it that took over Canaan's land? What will they tell you? What will they tell you? Not a damn thing. Why? Because they told us that Ham was cursed with black skin. But they didn't say nothing about land being taken from Shem. Now this is the detail that you really need to understand, and it reads, "Thou hast settled in a land in which is not thine and which did not fall to us by lot. Do not do so, for if thou doest do so, thou and thy sons will fall in the land and be accused." through sedition, for by sedition ye have settled, and by sedition will thy children fall, and thou shalt be rooted out for ever. Well, how long is forever? Do you know what happened to the Canaanites? They were totally taken over. Brothers and sisters, you really need to understand this fact. This has been a lie that has been passed on that created the present world we are in today. Please understand this fact. Now, think about this. We have the Catholic Church and the rabbis lying to the world, making up this hermetic myth, when all this time they had the truth. They knew about the Book of Jubilees. They knew that the so-called curse was not black skin or slavery. But yet they led the world into this deception with their lies. Now, the world we see today is a reflection of this lie. How can these people that call themselves Jews, claiming the right to the land they call Israel, when they are not the people of the covenant? How can these people that call themselves Jews be the people of the covenant? When they do not know how to read scriptures. See, they taught us that Ham was cursed and, and, and with black skin. And then they got filthy rich off of this lie. These people do not accept Yahshua, the, the Messiah. They changed his name to Jesus. They wrote the Talmud. They wrote the deceptions in the Talmud. And they wrote the demonic Kabbalah. They have manipulated people and used this book to create a religion that made them kings of this earth. Now, listen to Revelations 12, 9. And it says, and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was casted out into the earth, and his angels were casted out with him. The whole world is deceived. Revelations 18.23 And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. The great deceiver uses sorcery, witchcraft, and mind control. I mean, that's how he's getting by on this, y'all. Is anybody out there hearing me today? Is anybody out there hearing me today? Breaker, breaker, one nine. (laughs) I mean, come on. Man, it's so simple to understand. Look at the world around you. It's happening today. And it says here in scriptures that the whole world is deceived. Israel is supposed to be at rest right now. And they're just chilling. But creating wars, killing Palestinians, building walls. Come on, y'all. You know that ain't right. Now, to explain another characteristic of this enemy, I'm going to use an insect, okay? Because the word always uses uh, metaphors and items for us to gain deeper knowledge. Now, this insect is used in scriptures to describe the character of this particular nation. This insect is called the grasshopper. But there's something you should know about this grasshopper. There's another name for the grasshopper. And that name is locust. Now, after I read this, I will explain. Okay? Now, this is from Wikipedia. Now, this explains the grasshopper. It says, grasshopper, any of a numerous herb, a herb, herbivorous or th- insect, especially of the family of astridate and Tychonidide having the hind legs adapted for leaping and having chewing mouths, parts, some species being highly destructive to vegetation, compare locust, long horned grasshoppers. So dictionary.com tells us uh, compare this to locusts. So now we have to go to another definition to know about the locust. Okay, now understand this the same insect, but now we have to go to another definition to learn more. Now, locust. It says <clears throat> also called uh, acridated, acry- acry- acryd- short-horned grasshopper, any of several grasshoppers of the family acridate, having shortened antennae and commonly migrating in swarms that strip the vegetation from large areas. And then it says, uh, oh yeah, now it goes, uh, okay, now, basically, what they're saying is that um, when the grasshopper becomes destructive, it now becomes a locust, okay? Now, I want to make a comment. I know I butchered... (laughs) all these names and I don't mind doing that because I know that the new world order that are in charge are fuming they're like how do we get this unread mother -er speaking can't even pronounce the words right how can we have him bringing us down because it's in the mouth of babes y'all may be powerful but the most high don't need powerful men to bring you down he could use a lowly, broke, foster care, daggone it, nobody to bring y'all down. Okay? But I'm of the seed Yako. I'm I'm of the seed of, of Yakov. Okay? And and uh I don't have to have a PhD degree to bring y'all down. All I have to have is the truth. Okay? To speak the truth. Now, Mr. Locust, listen to this. A grasshopper turns into a locust when it becomes destructive. Now, camouflage. Camouflage. What is this? The coloring of different species of grasshoppers are often dependent on environment. Many species are adapted to green fields and forest and blend in well, no, blending well, then to avoid predators. Okay, now we're finding out that the grasshopper can blend in with his environment. Now, understand? Now, this is this is an insect that's going to be used in scripture. So, we have to take all of these characteristics. The, the people who wrote uh, the, the scriptures prior to the deceptions added were brilliant. I mean, they were brilliant. Okay, they knew that we were going to read this in a later time, so. They knew that we had to use these insects in order to say, "Oh, this is why they use this particular insect." Now, listen. Listen to what else it says. Uh, others have adapted to drier, sandy environments and blend in well uh, with the colors of dry dirt and sand. Okay. So, the grasshopper slash locust adapts to its environment through camouflage. Now, ask yourself a question: Why did the Most High use this word uh this this insect locus to describe the enemy of the Cediaco Now was it an accident? Did you said mm, let me just try using this uh insect locus that's a good one. Or was there something there that we should know about? Okay. Now it reads uh, researchers of Oxford University have identified that swarming behavior is a response to overcrowding. Increased tactical stimulation of the hind legs causes uh, causes an increase in levels of serotonin this level uh, this causes the locusts to change colors eat much more and breed much more easily the transformation of the locust of the swarming variety is induced by several contacts per minute over a four hour period okay now did you hear that okay and it reads: This causes the locust to change color, eat much more, and breed much more easily. The transformation of the locust to the swarming, swarming variety is induced by several contacts per minute over a four-hour period. Now think about the son of Ham, named Heth. Heth's seed via tubo is now creating the Hittite. Now, think about how a child of a mixed race turns from white to black. From a black person to a white person. Black to white. Black to white. Where did they come from? And if you say, from <laughs> um, leprosy, I'm going to give you a backslap. You got to be a little bit more intelligent than that. Than say, oh, white people came from leprosy. That's just stupid. Look at leprosy. Do a research. Just take a few hours and do a study on leprosy, and then you will never say that stupidity again. Come on, y'all. Come on. It's late in the day. All right. Now it reads, and it's, it and it is estimated. That the largest swarms have been covered, that have covered hundreds of square miles, and consist of many billions of locusts. Plagues of locusts appear in both the Bible and the Quran. What? Including one of the biblical plagues of Egypt, where locusts ate all the crops of Egypt. Now, who's called locusts in scriptures? Now, do you remember this verse from the seed of the serpent and Malachite deception. Okay, now I'm going to read something from the Seed of Malachite deception, and I advise all of you to uh listen to the Seed of the Serpent and Malachite deception, and you will not hear one mention of leprosy because that is just, it just didn't happen that way, and we have to be more intelligent about that, and the Most High gave us what happened. See, if we do use things like leprosy and and, and Esau with the white man and all that stuff, we're missing out on the knowledge that we need in order to defeat this beast, okay. We're at war here, y'all. come on, if you're going to be a warrior, you shouldn't be offended by me correcting you. you should be You should say thank you brother let's let's do this together and let's go off. not like trying to protect your ego because you've been wrong. It's okay being wrong, at least you're trying now let's do this together. Come on. I mean, at the end of the day, you have nothing if we don't defeat this beast. Don't defend ignorance, all right now the book of Joel says, <clears throat> "Hear this, hear this, ye old man, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land of the land. Have this been in your days or even in the days of your father? Tell ye your son, your children of it, and let your children tell their children and their children another generation that which and it says that which the pom- a palmer worm hath left hath the who." Locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, has the cankerworm eaten. And that which the cankerworm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. So now we have a caterpillar left. Right? And remember, the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, y'all. So he's not done yet. But the caterpillar is here at present, at that time, waiting to turn into the butterfly. And then it says, "Okay, now, um, oh wait, where's this? Then thus hath No, What I'm going to do uh, now? What this word caterpillar? Okay. Um, listen to this from the King James Bible. All right. What I'm going to do is there's parts in the King James Bible where certain things were changed. Okay, and from the there's gonna there's gonna be two different verses. There's one from the King James Bible and then one from the Septuagint, which was written um, 1,900 years prior. Okay, and what we're gonna do is I'm gonna read it out of the uh, out of the King James and then I'm gonna read the original, and then you'll understand why. Okay, now this is the book of Amos seven one. That's the book of Amos seven one. It's prophet, prophet Amos, and he says, "Thus hath Yahuwah showed unto me, and behold." He formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the later growth. And lo, it was the later growth after the king's mowing. Now, that don't make no sense, right? Sounds a little bit confusing, don't it? So when I look this verse up, I I, I always do research. I always cross lots of research. And I actually found this because I was looking for something else. But this is like the most High say, okay, take a look at this for an example. And this is going to lead us to the next, next section of the, uh, the broadcast. It says, um, the book of Amos 7, one out of the original version, what it said. It says, Thus hath Yahuwah showed me, and behold, a swarm of locusts coming from the east, and behold, one caterpillar king, Gog. Now, why would they try to hide that name, Gog. Okay, let me say this. The KGV really tried to hide this. Why? Who were the writers of the King James Version? Do you know this? No, I mean, do you really know who were the writers of the King James Bible? Now, what about this association of the one caterpillar, King God? Now, keep this in mind. This was in the Septuagint, like I said, 1,900 years prior to the writing of the King James Bible. This was the original writing, but it was changed. Why did they change it in the 1611 Bible? Now, we have the book of Joel, okay, and we have the book of Amos. What we have to do is to be alert. From what the two prophets are telling us. Okay. We have two prophets warning us about something. Joel is giving us uh, the account concerning the usurpation. The usurpation ends with the changing into a caterpillar. And in the book of Amos is giving us an account of the usurper. Okay? This time, both of them are giving us the account of the usurper, but in Amos this time. Okay, he's telling us that the caterpillar is one king uh caterpillar named God. Okay? It's a caterpillar named King God. Now, the KJV is also telling us that they started out as grasshoppers, then they turned into locusts and now they are caterpillars. One caterpillar, King God. Now, keep this in mind. God usurped and was settled, but the caterpillar has one last change. Remember that. The caterpillar is going to change into a butterfly. And what is a butterfly? A butterfly is attractive and it is also deceptive. These are one of the characteristics of a butterfly. It's deceptive. Okay? Now, who is God? Now, here's this. Check this out. Now we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a look at this uh, Jewish historian, okay, and his name is Josephus, okay. Now he is a Jewish J E W W I S H. Please understand that, because he's a deceiver. And what does he say? Josephus identifies the offspring of Megog as the Scythians, a name used in antiquities for people north of the Black Sea. Aka Caucasus Mountains. Remember when um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Wallace Dodd Ford was saying his mama was from the Caucasus Mountains. She was a uh, a daggone um a <laughs> She was of the Black Sea, y'all. Come on now. Uh, it says according to him, the Greeks called the Scythians Megagia, Megagia. Okay. So Josephus is telling us that the people of the Caucasus Mountains, the Caucasians, are called Magogia, spelled M-A-G-O-G-I-A. Okay. Now let's get another witness. This is from the book called After the Flood, and it says the table of Jaffa, and who was in table? And who's in Japheth's table? Magog. <laughs> and it says. His immediate descendants being known as the Magites, Josephus, and he refers to Josephus, tells us that they were known to the Greeks as the Scythians. However, given the subsequent history of the people of Ashkenaz, who are far more certainly identified as the later Scythians, Greek Synthi and Assyrians, Askous, it is much more likely that they that the early Magites Magites, Magogites, were assimilated into the people of Ashkenaz, uh, through making, uh, thus making up merely a part of the Scythian hordes. Okay? Now, this is taken from the book called After the Flood. Now, here, and it reads, this is um, the Table of Japheth again. Um, Now, what you have to understand is that the the Magog is, and and the, uh, the, the Ashkenaz, they're kindred. They're kindred, okay? <laughs> They're brethren, same blood. And here it reads about Ashkenaz. It says, Ashkenaz. Uh, his descendants settled originally in what is now Armenia. Although in later uh, Jewish tradition, he was associated with his father, Gomor, with the Germanic race. Hence, Germanic Jews are still known as Ashkenaz. Now, isn't it funny how they actually tried to... Okay, we will be Ashkenaz. We will be um, we will be out of Japheth, but we'll, we'll we'll try to distance ourselves from Megog. They're trying to hide this Migog. Why? Now, this book written by this book was written by a Christian. Okay, it admits that the people today that call themselves Jews are not the Hebrews of the seed of Yaakov, but what Caucasians of the seed of Ashkenaz. Now, I have a question. Who really are these people? Who are they? I have another question. Was the Askenazi of the seed of Yath, of Japheth, the one that made the covenant with the Most High Yah? Because I read in the covenant that, you know, it was the seed of Yaakov that, 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 that the, the, the uh, promise was made with then how in the hell did the Ashkenazi step inside of that line? Hello. Now, this continues from the Table of Japheth. It says, more immediately, perhaps, the Assyrians tell us in their inscriptions of the Askuza, a tribe who allied themselves with the Mani uh, Man- uh, Man- uh, in a revolt during the 7th century B.C., 700 years before Christ, Okay. An incident that is also mentioned in jeremiah fifty one twenty seven indeed, it is in this settlement that Jeremiah uh, incidentally confirms the identity of the Ashkenazim with the Ascus Scusa. this name, the Ascusa of the Assyrians records, later becomes the cynthians, the Cynthians of Herodias, others. Early other earlier sources confirm their place of settlement in what was later to become Pontus or Bithynia, uh where the people of Ashkenaz gave their name to the lay, to the lake and harbor of As it's, it's, uh Askenius, Askenius. Okay now uh here we, we, we uh clearly see that the Ashkuza and the Ashkenazi are from Japan, okay? They're not from Shem. Okay? Now we're going to take a look at this connection. All right? We're going to take a look at this connection. And um, I'm going to play something. And I'll be right back.
4: Chapter 38. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back, and put hooks into thy jaws. And I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself. Thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword, and is gathered out of many people, against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend, and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands, and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God. It shall also come to pass, that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil, and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy, and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day, when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, Thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old times by my servants the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? And it shall come to pass at the same time, when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep upon the earth, and all the men that are upon the face of the earth, shall shake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down. And the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, and overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself. And I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord.
1: Now, I have a question. How can Megog attack Megog? How many of you heard of Armageddon? The army of Armageddon. Russia is Megog. God is going to attack Israel. But we learned that the Ashkenazi Jew, which account for 80% of the Jews in the world, we found out today that they're actually MIGOG. The God of Gog, the chief of all the people, is Gog. So how can Gog attack Gog? But we do know that MIGOG attacks Israel. And that's why it's important to know who Israel is. They live because we sleep. They live because we sleep. They live because we sleep. We are not supposed to use the name Israel. We are Yaakov. They use Israel because Israel is Sariel. They deceive us so simply. They just use our ego. Take me off of blog talk. Don't ignore that, brother. We don't want to hear what he's saying. We love being Israel because it feels so good. You want to have some feel good. Well, feel good while your ass is in the femur camp. Feel good while you're weeping and gnashing your teeth because the Most High is trying to tell you something, but you're not listening. How can God attack God? You are the seed of Yaakov. Who wrote this Bible? Who told you that the name was Israel? Come on now. Who did Yaakov wrestle with? He wrestled with an angel. But who's the angel? Sariel. Go back and listen to They Live Before We Sleep today. Get some knowledge Track it from there until now. Stop defending stupidity like the book of Esther because it feels good. Please get this understanding. Now, how does Megog attack Migog? Well, if you look at this verse, these scriptures, it talks about him attacking Israel. Well, if they would have wrote it right, he's attacking Yaakov. But where was Yaakov? Okay, he's attacking two things here. The land and the people. If he's coming with a company of people from the north, the whole confederacy, this is talking about the slave trade. Israel, Israel's up there being peaceful now. They're in a the, in the time of peace. Here he comes down. He attacks the people from the land. He First he attacks the people, which are Jacob, sells them all over the world, and then he goes and attacks the land. Remember, the land is supposed to be desolate. So he didn't need to attack the land. Then the people were out of the land. And then, remember, if you read Ezekiel, it talks about how the other people there from Tarshish and Palestinians, they're all there. And then what happens? They go, are you coming here to take a spoil? Are you coming here to what? Yes, he went in there and went off. Why? Because he's powerful. Why? Because he's the Rothschild. He got all the money. Think about this. The Rothschilds went to the Ottoman Empire and said, look, I'll pay you your debts. I'll pay your debts if you just let us have this land. And they refused. And it's like, oh, no problem. We'll get it. We're going to get that land. Then they created the war. Took it. 1948. Done. Now look. And what did the high say? He said, okay, I'm going to glory myself, myself into you. By you. So the world will know. It's happening right now. Everybody's thinking that these are the Jews. They're like, oh, yes. That's God's people. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But it's not. Okay. Learn how to read this scripture. With this in mind, that the people that, are, uh, that he's attacking are the African so-called Americans, and then you start to know how to read the scriptures. For years, people are like, Armageddon's going to happen. They're trying to set up the Armageddon serial right now, and most people are still following that stupid-ass Christian doctrine. And what are they doing? Robbing the world. Going to have some kind of fake alien deception to try to to, to keep y'all in, in stupidity. This being has fooled the whole world. All right. Now, this is going to be a, this is a long broadcast. And it's long because I have a feeling it might be one of my last because I have to start moving in another direction. I think I said a lot that I needed to say here. I might do some shorter ones to clear up some things for people. I'll be available with that. but. At the end of the day, if you don't know by now who you are and how to find out and you still run after this foolishness, I really can't help you. I really can't help you. Okay. now in the in the remainder of this broadcast, what we're going to do is we're going to track down um, the uh, in the last part of the last uh, of of what I was speaking of. We have this name here. It's called uh, Askanius. Remember the Ashkenazi, Ascusa, Assyrian, and now we have the harbor of Ascanius. So I looked up this harbor, this Ascanius Harbor, all right? And this is what it says. It says from Wikipedia, uh, it says Ascanius, that's spelled A-S-C-A-N-I-E-S. It says Ascanius is the son of the Trojan hero uh, Aeneas, Aeneas, and a legendary king of Alba he is a character of Roman mythology and has a divine lineage. Being the son of Aeneas, who is son of Venus and hero of Achisis, a relative of Priam, the As- uh, Ascanius has divine ascendants by both parents, being descendant of Jupiter, Juno, and and Dardanius. Okay, now, uh, check out this uh, this name, uh, Dardanius, okay? It says, Jupiter, Juno, these are the children of Jupiter, Juno and Dardanius, okay? Now, Dardanius is the son of Jupiter, right? Now, here's here's the million-dollar question. Could Jupiter... And Japheth be the same person? Could Jupiter and Japheth be the same person? Now, basic, who's who's Jupiter? Now we're going to read this about Jupiter. It says, um, now this is taken from Wiki. It says, in the 19th century, biblical uh, syncretists associate associated the sons of Noah with ancient pagan gods. Japheth was identified by some scholars with uh, figures from other mythology. Uh, mythologies, including uh, Aipipius, uh the Greek Titan, the Indian figure Dias Pitar, and uh, Prajapati, and Roman Eupator or Father Love Jove, which became Jupiter. Now I'm going to have this on my uh, this this transcript is going to be on the site because I know I'm butchering these names and. If you look at them, then you know some of y'all took Greek mythology. I didn't take that stuff, and this is this is a total foreign tongue to me. I I barely speak English well, so I'm going to butcher it. But if you look at it, you'll say, "Oh, okay, this is what he was trying to pronounce." Okay, now um, this uh, here is saying that the seed of Japh is Jupiter. Okay, is this what this is saying? Okay, now. Is this saying that this is, uh, that Japheth is Jupiter, or that Japheth started worshiping another false god? Because, you know, it gets kind of confusing because we're still talking about this is the son of Noah. What exactly happened to Noah's son? How did he become Jupiter? Did, did Japheth start worshiping Jupiter? Because Japheth and Jupiter, this is now merging into the same same thing, right? Zeus is the so-called king of kings, the overseer of the universe. You know, Jupiter, he's the the thunderbolt, the eagle, the bull. He's the oak tree. You know what I mean? He goes by names like the deceiver, Mastema, lucifer, satan, dragon, devil, god, serpent, adversary, leviathan, and on and on. This all is 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 uh, seems like it's telling us that the seed of Japheth is being housed by the adversary. Interesting. Now here is another article, and this one is called Ipitius uh, and Japheth," and it reads: uh, Lapitius has, for example, by Robert Graves, been equated with Japheth. The son of Noah, based on the similarities of their names and on old Jewish traditions that held Japheth as the ancestor of the Greeks, the Slavs, the, uh, the, they call it the Italics, the Titrons, and actually the Titrons are the German people, okay, the Dravidians, okay, and now as Dravidians, it says the Dravidian language family include approximately 85, uh, Genetically rel- uh, related languages spoken by about 217 million people. They are mainly spoken in southern India and parts of eastern and central India, as well as in northern Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Iran, uh, overseas, and other countries such as Malaysia and Singapore. Similar- and goes similarly, Ham, a uh, son of Noah, was equated with the Jupiter, Amun, the Egyptian god, Amun. Okay, now that right there is important. Okay. Now, check this out. How do you get the Egyptians, which are from Ham, okay, which is the race of black Africans, get a father from Jupiter, Japhet named Amun? This Amun becomes the god named Amun, because A-M-M-O-N is associated with Japhet, and, and this becomes A-M-U-N, Amun. Now remember, Jupiter is Japhet. okay? Now we're going to explain this later, and keep this in mind. Father equates to God, okay? In this in this in, in, in the Greeks they had that the, the tradition where your father now is, is the god because they associate it with the same. Okay? Like we say, Ayah, our father, see? It's like come on y'all, stay stay away. So basically Japhet is Megog, Japhet is Ashkenaz, Jaffet is the Greeks, Japhet is the Romans, Japhet is the Holy Roman Empire. Japheth is the British Empire. Japheth is the Vatican. Japheth is the Sephardic Jew. Japheth is the Ashkenazi Jew. Now, how could the Ashkenazim and the Sephardics become Jewish when they are not from the Sea of Yaakov, which is of the Sea of Shem? Okay? Three sons, one Japheth, one Shem, one Ham, Ashkenazi, Japheth, Jupiter, Zeus, Gog, Megog. Are you waking up? Now listen to this. Genesis 9 to 7. God shall enlarge Japheth and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, this is very important to understand. In then in this verse, do you think God, this, this this reference to God is Yahuwah? Yes or no? Have you ever looked at the use of this word God in this verse? Have you taken the time to look at it? God is reference H four three zero. Okay, H four three zero. What is it? It is Elohim, not Lord God. Remember, when it says Lord God, we know that this is talking about Yahuwah. This is talking about a God, not the God. Okay? This God is not Yahuwah. The Elohim, uh, okay, this Elohim, when you break this, this word down, it is it is it's, it's final reference, you know what I'm saying? Okay? Because you have to keep. Remember, I tell you before how to break when when I talked about Israel. You break down the name till you get the final reference, right? When you get to the final reference, it gets, speaks of the characteristics of this Elohim. And what is the characteristics? It says you get words like oak tree. Remember, Zeus was known as the oak tree. Jupiter was known as the oak tree. You get words like mighty idol. Okay, this is Zeus. This is Japhet, the God of Japhet, Jupiter. This is not Aya, but the God of religion and bondage. Remember? It's to twist into submission. Read these, read these verses. You'll see that this God has a characteristic, is to twist into submission like the oak. This is religion now. Okay? Now, listen to this verse this verse in the Greek Subtuge. Now this is from the Greek Septuagint. What does it say in Genesis nine to seven? It says, "May God make room for Japheth and let him dwell in the habitations of of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant." You now we have one that says, "God shall enlarge Japheth," and the other one says, "God shall make room." Oh, interesting. So the original verse. Before the 1611, 1900 years prior, said, May God make room for Japheth. What? Now, why will God be making room for Japheth? This is a very good question. Why does Japheth need room? Was he not given the lands of Europe, France, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Greece, Britain, Sweden, on and on and on? Why does he need room for? So Jaffa went up there. He went up into the Isles of the Gentiles. There wasn't enough room up there, huh? Okay, now we're going to break this down. We're going to break down this word enlarge. Okay, we're going to take it from... uh, the King James Version. The King James put in large here. Now, let's go look at this word in large. Let's break it down to its uh, its definition. And if you want to do this, you go to get a Hebrew strong coordinates And you put, uh, it's called H6601. So, let's look at H6601. And what does it say? Right? Remember now, keep this in mind. This is a root word. That means no other words are referenced from it. This is it. And it says, a prime root to open... That is to be uh, causatively make, roomy, usually figurative, in a mental or moral sense. To be causatively make, simply or, check this out now, in a sinister way. Now pay attention, and it reads, delude, allure, deceive, enlarge, entice, flatter, persuade. Now there's something real peculiar at the end of this uh this definition it has this word silly one silly one so someone in this strong concordance decide to put silly one in here what is silly silly means weak-minded lack of good sense stupid or foolish now are the writers of the strong concordance speaking about jaffet being silly weak-minded stupid or Are the writers of the strong concordance talking about us? Is this like a joke? Saying that we're silly, weak-minded, stupid. They don't even know that Japheth is actually being enlarged by this demonic being. Jupiter, Zeus, wake up. Learn to read scriptures. What does deluded mean? Okay? deluded. To mislead the mind or judgment or to deceive. His conceit deluded his conceit deluded him into believing he was important. To mock or frustrate the hopes of aims of to elude, evade. That sounds like a lot of us, don't it? Our conceit made us deluded. Deceived, to mislead by a false appearance or statement. Delude, they deceived the enemy by disguising the destroyer as a firefighter. Okay, now here's the question. Who is known as the deceiver? So this God that used deception, a Lord, flattered, persuaded, and enticed who? Japheth to dwell in the tents of Shem. Sedition. Now, are these the characteristics of the Most High? Does the Most High need to entice, persuade? flatter anybody so the question goes back to who is gog well gog is Megog. Megog comes from Japheth, and out of Japheth comes ashkenaz the holders of the talmud and out of Japheth the greeks the authors of the satujan And out of Japheth comes the Italics, or the Italians, the authors of the Vulgate. And out of Japheth comes the British, the writers of the Bible. The writers of the books that changed the world. The Talmud created the racist Hemetic myth. And the racist, greedy Roman popes created the slave trade. And the rest is his story. History. Okay, now before we transition to our final final topic, I want to revisit something I read earlier, and that's from the Ipitus and Japhet, the El the Lapitus and Japhet. It say it says, um, and it reads: Similarly, Ham, son of Noah, was equated with Jupiter, a moon, the Egyptian god Amun. Okay, like I said before. Sometimes father and god mean the same thing. All right? Now this is taken from Amun. This is what it says. It says, "When the army of the founders of the 18th dynasty expelled the Hyksos rulers from Egypt, the, the 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 victor's city of origin, Thebes became the most important city in Egypt, the capital of a new dynasty. The local patron deity of Thebes Amun, therefore, became nationally important. The pharaoh of the new dynasty attributed all their success uh, enterprise to Amun, and they lavished much of their wealth and captured spoil on the construction of the temple dedicated to Amun. Now think about this. The Hyksos at this time were allowing the Hebrews to dwell in Egypt. Joseph was co-ruler for 80 years. After the Hyksus were run out of Egypt, the Hebrews went into bondage under the new rulers, the Egyptians from the south of Nubia. The Nubians, remember? Egypt was split in two. The rulers of the south were tired of being suppressed by these Hyksus. So they rose up. So, this god of moon became the sun god. Okay? This god was the one that challenged the Hebrew god Yahuwah. Okay? Now, remember, the Hixus are related to who? The Amalekites. The Amalekites are of the seed of Japheth because the Amalekites took over Japheth. Okay? This is all via Tubal. Remember? Tubal came. Okay? Tubal-Cain. Why does he think his name is Tubal-Cain? Because they're telling you something. There's a a transition here. Okay? Now, this god, Amun, Amun, this god has a connection to who? The Ammonites. Now listen to what it says in uh, Deuteronomy 3.11. It says, For only God, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of Rephaim. And Rephaim means the dead ones. Okay, this is death. This is demonic here. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Uh, is it not in Rabath of the children of who moon? Okay, and it says nine cubits was the length of it, and four cubits the breadth of it. And it gonna say. Then it says after the cubits of a man. Now one is interesting to know is I know this book is written in the 1611 version because we have three eleven. That's 11, 11, 11. Deuteronomy 3, 11. Three 11s. And then we have, excuse me, nine cubits with the length of it four cubits. Now, if you know how to read this, it's saying nine. And then you have four cubits, which is 11, 11. Because you have two, two, and 11. Now, when you study numerology, these things start to hit, jump at you. And as a Hebrew the Yaakov, you should look at all the knowledge you have available and understand that, okay, if the people that wrote this book were into um numerology and they were they were basically uh Platoism and Pythagoras and they are going to put all kinds of stuff in the book so that they can remember it later. So if you know what they're trying to remember, you know what they're trying to lie about, and then you know how to break down this word. Come on, y'all. Okay. There's a lot of numerology hidden here. And also, um, the mention of this last seed of the Nephilim, the last seed of feeling called the Raphael. Okay, So basically, this verse here is telling us that the Nephilim was a huge re- influence. It was a huge religious influence on the Ammonites. So if that's the case, then this god Amun comes from the Ammonites, comes from the Raphim, comes from the Philian. So basically, who was it that died in the flood? They all didn't die in the flood. It's filled with evidence of that. Judges 3.13. And he gathered unto him the children of who? Amun and Amalek. Both of them together, right? He gathered the children of Amun and Amalek and went and smote the house of Yaakov and possessed the city of palm trees. So The children of Jacob served Iligon, the king of Moabite, 18 years. Okay. And there there we go again. It says here in this book, in in this verse, we see the, the Amalekites and the Ammonites. They're all working together to do what? To enslave Jacob. For how long? 18 years. 18 years. What is 18? 666. 18. Clues all over the place. Judges three thirteen, listen to that. Okay. Now Psalms uh, eighty three four. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Yaakov may be uh, no more in remembrance, for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee, the tabernacles of Edom, and the Ishmaelites of Moab, and the Hagernes Gebel and Amun and Amalek the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre Ashur also is joined with them they have helped the children of Lot Selah now as you can see Amalek and Amun are one and the same both tools both tools of the Nephilim okay now This ends the broadcast. Okay. Thank you so much for coming. But on my way out, I want to say something. I'm going to have on the site uh, this, uh, the era. I want to go back to the era of when I was talking about the four families. Okay. The four families that I I spoke about. Okay. The uh, Bourget, the Médici, the Fugers, and the Rothschild. They were basically morphing into them, into each other. Like you won't know the names because they, they morphed into the nobility. They became they became the Rothschild. That's why they're worth trillions of dollars. They all joined forces together, right? Now, one interesting thing to understand in 1493, okay, actually in 1452, um, from that time, the Pope was the one that said, okay, we're going to build us this. St. Petersburg Church. The idea came to his head. The same man that started the transatlantic slave trade by signing the Dumb Diversia decided to create the, uh, uh, to remodel, renovate the church. Okay? Do you know the Most High drew these demons to basically take over this uh, strong foundation? remember, it was going strong for about one thousand four hundred years, right? It's been going strong for a long time. Well, let's say three hundred years after. Let's say twelve hundred years, uh, um, it was going strong until this pope, the same pope that signed, the, he signed his death warrant when he signed the Dumb Diversus, and then he decided to, oh, I'll build the church. What happened? This draw, this drew all of the Jews. They were like, oh, wait a minute, there's some money to be made here now. Okay? And then when they went there, they started to install their popes in order to get that money. Okay? We have have 20 popes here. Okay? And for 120 years, they all were were getting money from this church being built. What does it do? It splits the church in two. This is the deadly wound. A deadly wound. How did they heal that wound? Well, now it works as one. It works from the Jesuits and the Jews. They have intertwined. And they have taken over the whole world. Who can fight against the beast? He got all the money. He has the United States military, British military, NATO. Come on, who can fight against that? Do you think Libya had a chance? They said, look, you ain't going to fly. No fly zone. So Libya couldn't fly. And as Libya couldn't fly, they went in there and blew the hell out of them. Oh, you can fly, but I can't. Egypt, no, 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 no contest. Iraq, no contest. Afghanistan, no contest. Pakistan, no contest. Who can fight against the beast? Okay? Now, when Martin Luther was yelling against this, what did Martin Luther do? He was yelling so loud. But the Most High protect him because he knew that this was going to be the thing that was going to free us. Okay? Now, they reinforced the slave trade with the Bourget in Jakarta May, uh, May 4, 1493. Uh, they signed it again. And what did the Most High do? He said, no problem. I'm going to free my people from this. For 120 years, they exposed themselves. We have the we have the the Medici priest in there. We have popes being killed and poisoned. They have child rapists up in there. They got popes that only last for twenty two days. They got a pope that lasted only thirteen days. They got a pope that lasted only two months, and the pope right after that is a Jesuit pope, and he lasts thirteen years. Pope Clemente the eighth. It's like the Most High saying, okay, Pope Clemente the seventh is a Medici pope. A Medici Pope, right? And then the Pope that takes his name is a Jesuit Pope. He lasted 13 years. Look up Pope Clemente VIII. Uh, the and then right after him, we have uh, Leo XI, right? It's like the Most High is trying to tell you. Okay, well, if, look at Leo X, Leo the Eleventh, same thing. Medici, Medici Pope. Leo the Eleventh Medici Pope. He only lasted 26 days and he was killed. Then we have the black nobility taking the pope position for 15 years. Then the next pope after that, he's dead in two years. Then we have another pope. He's another Jesuit pope. He lasts 20 years. And then the very last pope in this line, the very last pope in that twenty hundred twenty year span, is the great-great-great-grandson of Pope Alexander, okay, Pope Alexander VI, who was of the line of Bourges. Now, come on, now, the same one, the same pope that signed the Inter Cartera, His great 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 grandson is now the last pope that saw the end of the building of St. Petersburg Church. And then after that, you don't hear no more about these guys. Okay? They all they just moved and morphed in. But what did they leave behind? They left a legacy that had the slave trade and the and, and taken over South America and Africa. Scramble for Africa. The Catholic churches everywhere. People's being converted. We have Sir Francis Bacon, the United States of America. Within this time we have the Gregorian calendar being being changed. We have queen uh, elizabeth uh we have king henry VIII, we have uh the, the the king james bible being written i mean all of this stuff is happening in this era the one of the most richest era shakespeare is being invented everything is happening at this time 400 years ago you will go into captivity for 400 years and look at all the excitement that has been happening brothers and sisters if you don't see this you are blind. You gotta wake up. You gotta wake up. Alright, on on my way out I'm gonna play uh that beautiful song by Lauren Hill. Um may the most high bless and keep you. Father Yah, I pray that in the name of Yahushua's precious name that you send this message out to those that he, that need to hear it, oh Father. I pray that you uh don't let my words offend my brothers that are speaking the things that they don't understand i ask heavenly father that you use this message for me to speak to them those that are teaching that esau is a white man and those that are teaching that leprosy is called uh uh, white people are are are, are the case of leprosy and, and 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 the endless doctrines that do not make any sense and that are not going to save us, father I pray that you just take those egos, Heavenly Father, and get rid of them. Humble these brothers, O Father, because we do not have much time. We do not want them to be false teachers in front of you, Father. I ask that you give them the ability of patience. Give them, open their minds so they can get into this word. And Father, let us all come together because you said it was going to happen, O Father. I pray this in the name of Yahushua's precious name. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, y'all, this is nothing but love. This is nothing but love. Nothing but love. All right, shalom.